what we've got here is failure to communicate. Nine times. Mr. Brown. Mr. White. You know, for kids. Mr. Blonde. Mr. Blue. Mr. Orange. Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? I see dead people. 1.21. Their obsession. I'm going to make him an offer, Captain. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Their words. I'll ask you again. Did I urinate on your rug? I drink your milkshake. Someone else's movie. I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god, not the god. Directors, screenwriters, actors, and film fanatics record feature-length audio commentaries for the films that changed their life. I want you to get up now. How come Andrew gets to get up? That's right. If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. That's the sidetrack. Do you think you're out of tune? Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. All in the name of oh, All in the name of oh, All in the name of oh. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome yet again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. My name is Rockin' Randall Colburn, and today we are here to discuss The Stand, the eighth and penultimate episode of CBS All Access's The Tan Stand. The Tan Stand. (laughs) And I have a confession, uh, friends. I am now the Joker. After watching this episode, I I am Joker. What does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about it. But first, baby, can you dig this panel? Mike, say hello. Hello, this is Michael Monroeville Mall Rothman, and I got a nice suite up here in Sin City's Inferno. I'm excited to talk all things The Stand. And I'm not talking about the show The Stand. I'm talking about the episode The Stand. Uh, to, you know, the, the, things can get confusing there. So glad to be here. Jen, say hello. This is Jen Cancel the Nursery Adams, and <laughs> I have just a lot of thoughts about titling in general that I'm sure everybody would love to hear, but yeah. The Stand, The Stand today. The Stand, The Stand, yeah. So. Uh, it's, like, it's like bad company's bad company. Right. <laughs> Dan, say hello. This is Trash Can Dan Caffrey. I'm at the bottom of a bunker. I'm bringing up a nuclear warhead full of insightful commentary today Ooh. that I'm excited oh, to nice share pun. with everyone and obliterate Vegas with once and for all, <laughs> with a little bit of help from someone I like to call God. Ooh. Oh, wow. That's a big man up there. Um, um, well, excuse me as I flex my hands around our next section. I am God, the hand of God. Uh, oh, I gotcha. Yeah. I tried. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, the section we call The Road So Far. Welcome 
Welcome to The Road So Far. This is where we talk about the themes, the the episode as it exists on screen. And uh, uh, guys, I, I hated this episode. I hated it. I hated it <laughs> Whoa, so much. Really? I know. I have, I, have, I have been, like, this is why I mean when I say I'm the Joker now. I, mm. I was this show's defender. I was Batman uh, with the sin. <laughs> I believed in... I defended it against the heinous attacks from the other members of this panel. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so no, now, I, like, I, Mel is then, I guess, Batman now, and you're the like, she's been a role reverse. Oh, yeah. She's no, the, no, that's not going to She's the champion. She's going to give you the fire to, to throw across <laughs> Gotham City. You've joined but, Mac now. <laughs> well, I've tried so um, I've tried so hard to really give this show the benefit of the doubt. I think time and again, I've been trying really hard to... And there was a lot I liked about it, uh, you know... Um, and I, we've talked about that. I've talked a lot about that over the last several episodes. But, but you know, I've gone to lengths to sort of defend certain things, thinking, thinking that they were going to uh, perhaps come together um, in a more satisfying sense. I left the episode seven. I told Mike I feel invigorate. I kind of like this Nadine turn. I talked a lot about about it a lot last week. But man, I just feel like every ball was dropped here, and um, we're going to talk about it. But of course, I have a feeling that. Perhaps not everybody will agree with my with uh, my clown makeup. So, um, so no, let's begin. Uh, this episode begins with um, Glenn, Larry, and Ray are in a prison cell in Vegas, um, and they're base. And Glenn kind of drops the bomb right up top. And this I actually like, where he's talking, where he's essentially saying, "What is it that really differentiates us from them?" Yeah. Uh, he says, "Lost, scared people following somebody who makes them feel just a little less lost." Uh, and Ray essentially says, "They're fucking evil." Um, yeah. uh, elevator can, sex, right? I know because of the <laughs> elevator sex. Um, and I mean, I guess the one thing you can always go to is the uh, you know, hey, they crucify people, which sure. And I, but I kind of like. Um, you know, Glenn sort of saying, well, that means the dark man can't count on his people. He's making public displays of those who defy him. Um, and, uh, you know, so I did think it was interesting, at least, that there was that discussion. And Ray, I guess, is being sort of posited as this as this uh, fanatical believer in Mother Abigail. I wish they would have investigated that a little bit more. A little bit, um, yeah. But but I at least appreciate the concept of like the sort of clear eyed nature that Glenn has brought to the show, uh, just as he does in the book. I think last episode when he discusses um, the concept of, of, you know, I'm not saying this is God, but this is the most proof we've ever had that God exists. So I'm not going to sniff at it. Uh, then here he's essentially saying he's just like heaven and hell. Like we're all kind of, you know, drawn to a leader who can help us find ourselves um, in whatever way that is. So, yeah. yeah. What did you guys think of this opening scene and Glenn, so on and so forth? Well, I agree with you. And I think there are a lot of seeds here that leftover seeds that they never really got a chance to grow in this show. And, you know, you mentioned the dichotomy between Boulder and Vegas, and that's something that you really do actually see in this episode. But again, it's like too little too late. And there's one line and not to jump ahead too much, but it does really tie into what you're saying, but it's when, you know, flag ultimately talks to the people of Vegas and he's saying, you know, there's never been enough to go around and he's bleeding mm. flag, the politician and at that moment, he's the most interesting he's been so far in the series. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Because at mm -hmm. that point, we're seeing why he's getting, you know, why he's pulling these people, why he was able to sell these people. And it really ties into the sort of atmosphere that we were left off with in the in the you know, in the episode from last week where we see that his, you know, the the visage of him like across Vegas and there's a menace to him. And 
it makes me sad. There's a lot of instances of that throughout this episode where you just see glimpses of like what could be, yep. which I guess is a running, a running theme of this entire recap show. But, um, and it yeah. just bothers, it just bugs, it bugs me. And that, in that sense, there's a lot of that in this there. And I'm going to talk about it a lot throughout this episode where you're just like, that's a, gl- you know, a flash of genius to quote the Greg Kinnear film. Um, <laughs> if we're going to say on star- target, but yeah. Is it about a, a cameraman of- or something? No, it's about a windshield raper. That's actually when I interviewed him for, and I, and I'm, and I'm not to pres- you know, be too presumptuous, but but he said I was the best interviewer he ever spoke to. <laughs> well, no, but he looked like he was having like an existential crisis, like while during the interview, <laughs> like he was just sitting there like rubbing his ring, and and he was just like, yeah, you know, I went to Gibson's last night, and and he would just pause and would be was like, was this in person? What the was fuck he in is Chicago? Going on? It was in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was, I didn't know you interviewed but, him in person. Yeah, he he was like the nicest person ever, but like I'll never forget like flash of genius like i and it was it was actually not to go on a tangent but like um the one t- like the one time i went to the screening room and there was nobody there and i felt so bad because i was like oh I, this movie looks like you know interesting at least it's a true story you know about this this guy that went up against the biggies of uh, across america and tried to you know take his invention and it actually turned out to be a very special screening because uh i was i shared the screening room with uh with roger ebert um, oh. he, was the only oh, wow. one, he was the only oh. one there, and then, and then I thought it was gonna be the only one there, and then the door opens, and Richard Roper comes in, and he looks at me as if like I shouldn't be there, and he's just like, huh. and then like goes and sits down, and I was like, oh god, and I felt so awkward because I was like, maybe I shouldn't be here, like maybe this was a private screening or whatever. Anyway, so I digress. Either I way, that was, you've told that's me that what story. I think of when I, I think of Greg Kinnear for a Greg Kinnear movie. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, Flash of Genius. I, I agree <laughs> what you all are saying about the seeds thing. That, my problem with that is that they're they're talking about it one way, but they haven't done any work so far to justify that. You know, yeah, it's like you can't. Okay, you can maybe show glimpses of them being evil and having gladiator matches and all this other stuff, but they. I feel like the show never did anything to show any other side of Vegas or anything beneath those characters other than that you see it a little bit in this episode with lloyd which i actually liked quite a bit and you see it with some of the remorse that gets shown later on i but i agree i love that first i theoretically i love that first scene and i love what glenn is saying but once again it's it's about a show that we haven't gotten so far and so there's just a real cognitive dissonance there where you're like i mean hell they could have even done something they could have shown them interacting with the citizens of vegas and done some of that work like in the part of what we get in the book when they get picked up and hauled away is in that police car um with i forget what the police chief's name is in the book they you actually see them have a somewhat sympathetic conversation with them and they, and they ha- mm-hmm. you, you have a chance to view them as normal people we don't get that here the only thing we really see is all the garish overblown images of flag when we get into vegas and then we're in the jail cell like pretty soon after right. so that was yeah my thing yeah what were you gonna say jen well i was just gonna say that like I feel like I love what this episode is trying to do and what it thinks it's doing. And I hate the way they executed it because I think you're exactly right. They didn't do any of the work to back up what Glenn is saying here. In Mm. fact, they did the opposite because he's saying it's like lost people. Um, And I love that. And then Ray says, but they're evil. And the show has gone out of its way to paint them as Mm -hmm. evil. And so, of course, that's what we're thinking. So what Glenn's saying doesn't work. And then he's they're talking about crucifying bodies on the street. We haven't seen any of that. We heard about it, but we don't know who those people are. The only person we saw was in that car. Like, I think it's implied that they are people that he found along the way or they're the slaves. But we don't know anything about that. So it's like there's no it doesn't. 
land anywhere because we don't know they haven't laid any of the groundwork in a way that makes sense and i just kept thinking they don't know what vegas is supposed to be and they don't right. know what it is and so when it starts to fall apart we don't know what that's supposed to look like either and i there's a flash in the um or there's a scene in the mini the original mini series where like somebody is do i think it's dana she's like up on the power lines and she's working mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like everybody going home from work and like we don't yep. get any of that all we no. see is like sex all over the place you know right and that's where i struggle like i you know and i said this i think back in episode or i wasn't on episode five but i might have mentioned it in episode six was i kind of knew everything was wrong when tom was there to get a job and they were all being mean to him yes because in yeah. the book it's like they welcome him. They're very mm-hmm. happy to have him there. Uh, they don't make fun of him because he's, you know, he's slow in whatever sense. And, um, and yeah, so it's like there, that is a problem. And uh, I think what I will say this about the crucified bodies, like it took me on, until my second viewing, but if you watch, like when I rewatched episode seven, you actually do see some bodies crucified, like when they're driving in, but it's not, it wasn't highlighted. And what was missing, Jen, you're so right. Do you remember, do we all remember the scene in the book when trash can man uh, witnesses his first crucifixion? Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. And and I saw some people in our discord talking about this and, and how great that scene is where, um, well, he feels community for the first time, but then this person that he bonded with when he first arrived ends up being crucified because he mm-hmm. was doing drugs. And it's the cook, uh, right, or something, or maybe I'm wrong. Not, not the cook, yeah, yeah right. Yes, I think, it's yeah. the cook. Yeah, and um, and so he's crucified, and you know, and it's all the people who were sitting at the lunch table with him who are driving the stakes into his arms. So it's mm-hmm. like it's these, it's this guy's friends, and what Trash feels is this sense where his his faith in Randall Flag kind of supersedes uh, any kind of friendship that he had uh and i think that is another differentiation between vegas and Mm -hmm. um and boulder but i think that moment when trash like sees what's happening and this guy is looking at him and saying hey you know me you know me and trash is like i don't know you you know you have been exiled and but those moments are great community moments that show that there is sort of this if you stay in line everybody's happy and we're all just normal happy people but you cross that line and then you are exiled by the entire community Mm -hmm. and so the fact that we never get anything like that i think also i do agree that that's missing uh mike what were you gonna say yeah and we could have gotten that you know i mean could you imagine if like the beginning of that episode would have been the one that you were discussing would have been where we follow tom the entire time and it's just his point of view and and it's not this mean-spirited vegas but like it is that like wow this actually isn't a bad place and then you get the twist at the end yeah. Where you see that sort of, it's almost like the like um almost like the monsters that do on Maple Street, or almost or like you just see the unraveling of what happens when, you know, everyone starts losing power, then they they feed on that power too. I I I, I never thought I'd ever say this on this podcast, but man, they really could have learned something from The Walking Dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, well, I, yeah, I, no, you know, like you look at that season with the go- the governor, I think it is, and like that's Vegas. Like that is literally mm-hmm. what they should have aimed for in their portrayal of Vegas, this normal community where they have standards and those standards happen to be incredibly heightened to the point where it is, you know, totalitarianism. And that's what they needed. They needed flag to be that way, to be this that like what I was saying before, the 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 politician, but also the dictator. And it's just baffling to me that they didn't do that. And you know, Randall, we texted throughout these screeners, and we both said it at the same time, like this is going to be the thing that 
destroys like the the, the discourse or the, the show itself is like yeah. the portrayal of Vegas. I knew that this was going to be the thing that everyone's going to be talking about because that's been the most talked about thing online is this portrayal of Vegas and how antiquated yeah. it is. I could have even dealt with there being externally evil slash awful behavior if they justified it somewhat beforehand. Like I was reading this article today about people who have left QAnon, right? Mm-hmm. And QAnon and the storming of the Capitol and all this other garbage that's gone on the past year or so, longer than a year. Yeah, on the surface, on the surface, it's horrible. Just looking at it, it feels awful. But this woman was talking about how she was really depressed this year because she had lost her job and her daughter was sick and COVID and the rest of it. And she just started spending more and more time online. And that's what sucked her into QAnon on TikTok. And that's what sort of radicalized her. And when she got out of it, it was like, oh, my God, what did I do? And so I don't even mind that, hell, they can have the gladiator fights or whatever else. But yeah, once again, how did they all get driven to this too? I feel like it either has to be that or show them being somewhat normalized and then seeing Flag's true side. Yeah, and I just don't think we we get any of that. Yeah, I would say that there is this clear lack, like you you were talking about Randall Flagg, the politician. And I actually, I quite liked his speech, but it also says three, it kind of, touches on three separate things mm-hmm. um, in how short it is. One is it keeps hitting on the morality idea. And I hate this I because it's morality is not the thing in the book, right? It's not mm-hmm. like, and it's not in real life. The thing that separates like, you know, the, like it's, it's obvious to anyone that most of the people, like some of the worst behavior in the world is committed by uh, people who are devoutly religious, you know, or this, the people who, who preach morality are usually the cruelest fucking people in the world. I mean, look at all these bankrupt fucking preachers and politicians who all, they, they all hide behind God. So it's just like this idea of morality is so outdated and so completely eighties and satanic panicky. So he talks about that, this invented morality that is being forced on people. And I'm like, we're way past that. And it's a lot more nuanced than that. Mm-hmm. And then he says a couple things that I actually do like, which is he, he says that um, he, he starts talking about predator and prey. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very much that alpha mindset. And that to me resonates a lot more true these days. And that there is, I think the world in a lot of ways can be divided up by the people who uh believe that the only way forward is to you know make yourself the apex predator like that's how you get ahead in the world is you eat everything that is beneath you and you climb the you climb the food chain that way and then there's the people who kind of believe more in community or believe more in uh you know building bridges rather than burning them and i think that that is something that really does differentiate vegas and boulder here and that's an interesting idea i wish he had pursued that more the other thing though that really resonated with me was he taught he tried he says that Captain Trips wasn't the apocalypse. And I know he's speaking sort of in an abstract phrase there where he's essentially saying, this is the new beginning, it's not the ending. And I like that idea. But what really hit me that resonated with me and made me see why people would go to him is like, that's what we dealt with with Trump, right? Uh, The world was burning and Trump kept saying it wasn't. And there's comfort in that for people who trust him and believe in him. They want someone to say, no, that wasn't the end, this is the beginning, right? And so like the idea of, 
when a clear apocalypse has happened, it's just like, it's that whole concept of they tell you not to believe the things that you see. Right. The apocalypse happened. And he's saying the apocalypse didn't happen. And that to me just felt so Trumpian and so like yeah. of the last four years mm -hmm. that those two points really resonated with me. And it was the, the predator prey mindset, the alpha mindset, plus the concept that this is a guy who is in his own way soothsaying um, and trying to downplay um, what happened with Captain Trips? He's downplaying it. Yeah. And that to me was really powerful. And I'll just add, because this is Mike and I, we agreed on Vegas mostly, but there is one place where we disagree. And I think this is a good place to bring it up because if there is one moment when I started to feel like I really understood Vegas, it was the dance scene. <laughs> because to me, like that moment is, that's why people are there because it's fun. No, like, I get, yeah, totally. That, yeah, so I, it's like, I could see joy on people's faces. And the idea that it was happening alongside sort of a public execution, uh, I can buy that because this is how he helps them swallow the pills of the crucifixion and everything, is, is like he dances while he does it. Yeah. Seeing Randall Flagg dance and seeing him with the people, that did so much more for me to help me understand why they like this guy. Cause it's like Trump dancing yep. on fucking stage, right? I agree. People love that shit. And I'm not trying to do the whole flag is Trump thing, but it's like, but that concept of like, he's kind of, he's our, our idiot leader. He's our fun idiot leader. Uh -huh. And we love that about him. And so I don't know that moment to me, like when, cause Mike like kind of warned me about it and I watched it and I texted you. I'm like, that was my favorite part of the episode. Oh, I know. And for I me, <laughs> Vegas just locked together in that moment. I look. So I don't know. I, I agree with those sentiments because they've said they've been pretty forthcoming about this. That you know this was supposed to be a Trumpian send up. You know. Oh with, yeah. With flags. yeah. It's totally I mean, a rally. It, totally. I mean, and I get that with the the dancing. I just think the execution of it could have been a little better. And I think a lot of it is sure. just because he's so stoic most of the time that we see him. Now, if it was like Jamie Sheridan's Randall Flag doing it, I'd, I'd absolutely be fine yeah. with it. I wouldn't even blink of an eye. But it just felt so like, like ostentatious to me, and I get that because it's supposed to be ostentatious. But it also just felt very like, wait, what? Like, and and then also yeah. it was very short. Like it was this gasp that felt manic, and like I needed more of it. Like if you're gonna do, we it, needed you, it four episodes time. ago. Yes, exactly. And and it, it yeah. couldn't have happened now. It needed. We needed to see this a little bit more. Where it reminds me of, um, you know like the original Ninja Turtles in 1989 or 1990, I think it's 1990 <laughs> when you see like, why are these kids there? Well, because they get to smoke cigarettes, play video games, play video games. and act like assholes the entire time. And they're encouraging that. And like, we see them encouraging that we see shredder, you know, obviously he's in the shadows, but he's got his minion guy and he's fucking encouraging it and saying, do it, do it, do it. And Sam I guess they're doing this. Yeah. Like, and, and then also the guy that's in the second one, the, the, uh, <laughs> know, the guy that, that's very angry all the time. He, and I guess we get that with Lloyd Henry, but like, I, I kind of wanted flag to do that more. And like, maybe somebody bumps into flag and they're like, <gasps> and, and he's like, go play, you know? Yeah. Like, like it's all good. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Dan thoughts on the dance. Um, what song was it to? Well, it's like a remix of like Cindy Lauper's time after time. time after time. But so they use the beat, but then it's like something about I, heaven or something. Yeah, I think I'm more. Well, no, I, I agree with what Randall said. I think we could have used it a little bit earlier. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, if it's supposed to be the equivalent to YMCA or whatever. From, <laughs> from, but but once again, flag. 
we've gone to this place in pop culture today, not, not, not just pop culture, political commentary, whatever, where any bad leaders being equated with Trump, right? Like if we mm-hmm. see a movie or we yeah. see a TV show or we hear a song, it's like, well, yeah, I, I kind of cringed at all the Trump comparisons they were making in Entertainment Weekly or whatever else when this started, you know, just because Trump, is, like any leader, he's bad in a very specific way and he's bad in a very mundane kind of way. And I don't, I did actually did not see many Trump parallels until this episode. And mm-hmm. if they, I, I actually didn't know that the creators were being really upfront about that. And if that's the case, I think this is an ineffective Trump analogy. Like, I actually think it's, I think it's kind of lazy just to go, oh, any shitty leader is like Trump. You know what I mean? I feel like you have to, you have yeah. to seed that very carefully leading up to it. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't hate the dance necessarily. I also wish it was just a different song. It was just kind of, it was a little, just a little chintzy for me, <laughs> I guess. You know, it didn't have. I mean, well, I, I kind of wanted to go. I, I mean, everyone throws this word around, but I wanted. If you're gonna do that, like, go full blown Lynchian. Like, when you know, think back, like when like Leland Palmer just starts dancing in like this juxtaposition of just total sadness and tragedy. Like, do that, but like, go all in. Like, don't show them dancing and then stop when the actual like real shit is happening like i want they to should have danced with some marilyn manson or something oh yeah you know <laughs> hey some satanic music what did, what, did, what do you think of the mu- the music jen all right because you, you seem to know the song and uh, oh god <laughs> uh, the song drove me crazy it's like because i love the two songs that i thought it kept pr- being and it was never it was like either brian adams heaven or um cindy lopper's time after time and i was like just be one of those songs so that i can sing because i wanted to dance um i'm kidding I didn't hate this. I didn't love it. I think I just, here's the thing that bugged me about this is I think it's supposed to be this juxtaposition with this public execution and the public execution is so lame. Like they're drowning them, which is like, look, that's dying. And I'm not like, I don't want to soften that, but like in the book, they're like about to be dismembered. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading that and thinking like, once it hit me, what that actually would mean, like horrifying me, you know? And it's just this, like, it's totally toothless. It doesn't like, it's just, it doesn't hang together. I do think that it is like blatant Trump here because the, like with the three syllable chants over and over mm. again that you can barely understand what they're yeah, saying. Yeah, what were they saying? I actually couldn't, I couldn't. I know they were saying, saying like burn it down. Pay. Burn it, burn them down and make them, them pay. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, I like the Randall, what you're saying about the three things he's saying, I completely agree. And I liked the, like, cause he's talking about the zero sum game, which is winners and losers and you have to be one or the other. There's not yep. enough for everyone. And so that's how like people like Flag and people like Trump make you afraid of someone else because you don't want to be the loser. And if there has to be a loser, then you can't be that one. So you have to be the winner, which means this person is trying to take your spot. So you've got to defeat them and you've got to kick them down the ladder. But I what what is weird is that like why is the free zone so afraid of Las Vegas? Like you could say the same thing about them because there's no groundwork for right. any of this. You know, Agreed. like we saw the guy coming over in the car That's and they've, that's I all guess, had some dreams. Yeah, and I mean, I guess they did send Harold and Nadine to blow him up, but it's just like we don't see enough of this for any of this to really matter. Well, and that's you know? always, I feel like that's always been the biggest problem with King's source material, or the, the, the source uh-huh. material in King's book, is that there is a major disparity between Vegas you know, and Boulder. And that's something that we talked about in the original episodes. It's just like, we spend so much time in Boulder and they keep talking about this threat, 
And then we get there and we get slivers of it in, in book three. And it's a disservice not only for us as a reader, but then it's also just, it's, it's bad storytelling because you're like, well, now we're figuring out what this threat was. We've only been told about this threat through, I guess, Mother Abigail and through random things that we've right. been hearing about. Like, it's always been this sort of like, um, you know, inherent, like, good and evil. Like, yeah, all right, well, this is good and that's he's evil. The devil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's very Looney Tunes. And then, like, and for me, it's like, you couldn't come up with some sort of bridge there. Like, and, and, they, and that, this is an opportunity to do that because obviously, you know, it's, we have 30, 40 years of hindsight find some things and it's even less you know there's there's no bridge really you know other than i guess the guy you know the the guy with the lambo but yeah but see if we had seen dreams of flag being super creepy if we had seen more of those like he would have been established as a threat all the way but i think like where i am in my life right now and we'll talk more about this with desperation but like there's part of his message at times that appeals to me, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't want this. Well, we talked about Boulder and like, you know, it's morality, like morality is a lot more gray than it used to be. And yep. there's like, I don't want to, not going to talk about anything else I've seen, but like, it's just, <laughs> it, it's leaning into the good, bad, no gray area. Yeah. Bugs well, me. and you have to, because we have no room. You know, exactly. Like, it's episodes, the shorthand. So it's yeah. like we've been talking about each episode. It's just like they have to embellish these qualities because if yeah. they don't, then <laughs> they've wasted well, an episode. I, I know you, you guys know. talked about you mentioned that the showrunners have been explicit about the Trump connection. Have they said, though, what they're trying to do with Vegas? Because once again, on the surface, yes, aesthetically, it does share some things with Magination. And if you look at the Capitol riots and all that, actually, aesthetically, I, I see a little bit of a correlation, just this grotesquerie, this kind of stupidity in a way. But is that it, though? Like, is that all they were trying to do for Vegas? So was make it this sort of visual analogy for Trump's America? Because that's also just very boring to me, unless you're actually going to investigate the people right. within that. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know. I, I haven't read I haven't read too much um from them and, and like, once again there's a ton of stuff i love about this miniseries too so right but yeah vegas does seem really crucial to get right if we're gonna mm-hmm. especially if yeah. we're gonna like elevate it above the book and above the 1994 um miniseries but yeah. right i also yeah. oh sorry, go ahead jen i really hated the fucking plane thing the uh i hated the whole newsroom like cut to this cut to yeah. that was like, yeah. oh weird. this is just weird like, and maybe the, if I, it was more fleshed out maybe you know but exactly. it, it's yeah i'm they, with they, you they may have just run out of time i, I don't know because the it yeah. feels that way that's how that's how it felt with with um this episode so yeah it, it felt like oh crap we have to tie all these weird things together um right yeah. now um yeah it reminded me of the arrested development episode where they were building the house without anything yeah. inside and just kept falling <laughs> over you know <laughs> yeah. yeah um let's scale back and i think that was a good macro discussion and we're probably going to touch on more aspects <laughs> yeah. of it but um but yeah i think just uh story-wise let's kind of we i think glenn is sort of a big focus in the mm. early part of it uh yeah. we pivot from the jail cell to we see them in kind of a mock courtroom setting kangaroo which court. is very yeah yeah, it's very reality TV in a way that I kind of enjoyed. I thought this was a I, fun I, like, scene. I actually like that, too. I, I thought too. that was a nice yeah. change. Yeah, because I thought it was a good fit. I mean, like the whole concept of like turning, uh, you know, law and, and justice into entertainment is yeah. to me um, a very, like that's a very a thing that, you know, would probably be 
um, that you'd find in sort of like Flag's version of Vegas is that everything becomes entertainment, which I think is something, you know, if we want to draw Trumpian parallels, like politics sort of became entertainment totally. for four years in ways that were really depressing. And um, so did trials in the media and all these things. And so... So yeah, I like that aspect of it. But um, yeah, so essentially uh, Glenn starts talking back. Uh, the judge doesn't like it. Lloyd doesn't like it. And in, you know, in the book we have uh, Flag is the one who essentially says, shoot him, Lloyd, shoot him. And Lloyd is hesitant. And I think the key thing here, there's some differences going on, which is uh, what they posit in this uh, series is that Lloyd has never killed anyone. And um, that to me was an odd choice. Uh, because well, the he's... gas station does he uh, poke? Oh, is poke the only one p- person that kills someone at the yeah. gas station? Right? Okay, yeah. Lloyd doesn't kill anybody. Yeah. yeah, and like I think it's it's like an interesting. It's like thematically pleasing in the sense that he was arrested as a mass murderer, you know, uh, because he was he was paying for Poke's crimes and um and he and he liked being this person who was considered to be a murderer mm-hmm. when he was in prison. He liked that reputation, but then when he actually kills somebody, it kind of you know destroys him a little bit so he essentially you know it's a lot it's very similar to the book in the term in the way that uh glenn sort of goads him into shooting him by essentially saying randall flag's empire is falling and you know it is and i thought that was an interesting moment and i think it's i think putting it before a crowd works like the idea of i i I think i prefer the 94 miniseries version and the book version where it happens in a jail cell with just randall flag and lloyd the uh the reface no, <laughs> we did a, yeah. we posted that online on we we probably should when this episode goes up oh, um but yeah so i think that scene um but i do like the aspect of it happening in front of people and we get sort of the corny old man who sort of you know hears oh, what God. glenn is saying and then we get flashes to him throughout the episode where he's like ah oh, is this right oh wait yeah. did they show yeah. i actually missed i it seemed random to me that they were focusing on him so much in the uh, final scene. I didn't. Yeah. They, they showed him in the courtroom. I must have missed that because yeah, I, they showed I was him in the like, courtroom. why are they focusing? I, so I, thought, I, I, I texted Randall this, but I legit, <laughs> and this is so insane. But because they oh, were yeah, focusing on so him, because they were focusing on him so much, I thought this was like a dogma situation, and they had sent back like Mother Abigail or like a, you know, <laughs> like, as like this old man to be this like <laughs> old vessel. white guy. God. You know, because in, in Dogma, like, God is, like, the old man that's playing, like, skee-ball or something like that. So I was like, why do they keep – Who? what is so important in this? And and I guess it's also confusing because this is really, like, the first time we're seeing anyone that looks normal in Vegas. That's uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. In 100% terms of, like, true. When, when I say normal, I mean, like, they're Aren't just wearing, wearing like, a fucking flannel shirt and, like, je- jeans or whatever. <laughs> and, like, for the most part, I mean, everyone looks very blue-collar. And, yeah. and like – that is something that we hadn't seen in Vegas at all. They're either leather daddies or they're blue collar. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, it's very they're like leather apron people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, I would say, uh, like the old, yeah, I was laughing at Mike's text so hard because of course I read it as mother Abigail was in disguise. Like <laughs> take off the mask and it's her. Oh, that um, been awesome. I know. So yeah, I, I guess like if I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt, even though I'm joker, I'll still do that. I, uh, basically, 
I, I can see the idea that these people have not heard that message about Randall Flagg. What Glenn says is almost a public service because because they've just been ingesting propaganda. Like that's mm-hmm. and that's very much how he has created Vegas and that he's on the screen everywhere. Uh, they're kind of, you know, it's a very obvious sort of game he's running and there's no voices of dissent there. So the idea that Glenn would do that and kind of plant this seed of doubt in a couple of people's heads isn't, you know, that's not a bad idea to me. Um, but I do think something is lost a little bit by not having flag present. Um, but there, but there is a lot of, of effort made to sort of give Lloyd an arc here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like sort of not a redemption arc, but you know, just to show that perhaps he wasn't really cut out for this Vegas life. Um, and I guess I really struggled with that and I have, I can elaborate, but I'll, I'll pass it over to you guys. What did you think about Lloyd um, in this scene? But also, um, you know, perhaps his arc in this episode. He's my favorite. Yeah, Lloyd. you can go ahead, Jen. Yeah, I go loved him in this. He's mm-hmm. my favorite part of the episode. Um, and I think Same. I'm at, because I just read um, like some of his introduction chapters in the book. I think I actually like this version of Lloyd better than I like. I, I love Miguel Ferrer, but I think I like. I think this feels truer to who Lloyd is in the mm. book. Like, okay. I don't think he's super competent. Um, I think. There's a lot, especially like in the prison when his lawyer's like explaining all the shit to him and he's like, oh no, I'm going to be punished. Like it's like, <laughs> there's this reality that he doesn't grasp. And I actually like that Flag is not in this scene because I think it shows that when he is not there to make the argument, when he is having other people make the argument for him, it mm-hmm. doesn't hang together. Oh, that's and they're mm-hmm. like, what, like, what, what the fuck, like, what are we talking about? They keep having to go back to each other and try to figure their story out because it's all show, but it's not their show. It's a show. It's just fear and you just can't lead effectively through fear and my favorite Lloyd moment of the entire episode is when he's like like when you see his persona drop and you see who he really is you know and when Clint's like what are you afraid of and he's like "Uh, he fucking ate a dude and he can fly that's what I'm afraid (laughs) of I thought that was so funny and I was like okay I, I get that but also like you're this show trial thing yeah it that's I, a really, I really liked really, it. Yeah, that's a really good point, Jen. I hadn't really looked at it through that lens. Uh, Dan, what do you think about Lloyd this episode? Yeah, he was the MVP for me. I mean, and I know some people have along the way, um, just reading the boards and everything, protested Nat Wolf's casting because it, Miguel Ferrer is so good. But I mean, Jen's right. I think they call Lloyd the babyface killer in the book. And to me, I, I mean, I think Nat Wolf just does a great job in general, but I also think he plays Lloyd much more as this scared kid, this this kid yeah. who's getting to play dress up almost. And also, I think the casting of a younger Lloyd in this really pays off with the scene with Glenn because you really feel that, I mean, I mean, Ray mm. Walston, I guess is, was probably, you know, yeah, but Miguel I, Ferrer looks like he's in his forties. Yeah, yeah. Miguel Ferrer, and he's even like, like an like organized in, crime boss. Too. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Miguel Ferrer, yeah. even in Robocop. And like, I think he's just one of those guys. He's like John Hamm. Like he's just always looked 45, right? Like right. Miguel Ferrer, for all I know is younger than I am in, in the original stand. But I think the age difference really paid off here. And, and I think too, just in terms of, raw acting skills and performance. Greg Kinnear and Nat Wolf are, are two of my favorites of the series. So I just like seeing them go head to head a little bit. I, and it was one of the, I think when we keep talking about the Vegas and all the changes they've made and it not working and everything, this was a rare example of, okay, they made changes to this scene, but they still kept the essence of the scene. And they also did something a little bit different with it than in the book. Yeah, and so it, re- it really worked for me. And it just, it made Lloyd for me, the kind of, character to hang on to or follow through the rest of the episode i think it's really hard in this just narratively it's hard in this 
this part of the story in general because there's so much going on. We're following so much, and it becomes very plotty. It's hard to fa- follow characters necessarily, I think. It's hard to follow a more internal kind of story. And Nat Wolf in, in that scene actually g- did that for me. I'm like, okay, cool. This is someone who I'm going to latch onto for the rest of the episode and feels like a little bit of a, a surrogate for the audience in a way. Um, so, yeah, I was, a, I was a big fan of it, actually. And, that yeah, it made, it made him, like... Yeah, it just it's it's it solidified his greatness for me. Will he go down as you know? Will he get Will he get Emmy gold? We shall see. <laughs> but, no, I'll, yeah. I'll seriously. We'll find out in August. Like um, yeah, yeah, I know. Seriously. Yeah, I, I I loved Lloyd, and I thought he was hilarious in this scene. Also, I mean, the part yeah, he's really he's just funny like, in it. Yeah, when he's just like you'll slit your you know your, your neck and you're oh, yeah. only seeing heavy metal, and it's like bah, bah. like yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah, was funny. In my, in, I liked in, his imitation of Larry's music too. Yeah. He's like, oh. I did too. Like, yeah, it, really it was funny. almost like good Rob Zombie dialogue. Yes. You know what I mean? It was like, okay, yes. I think this, yeah, and, and delivered yeah. really well. Because, like, the thing that they also start that's very Trumpy in this is that they, like, you know, they keep referring to Mother Abigail as, you know, a witch. And, uh-huh. you know, the it's which also felt like so very Sleepy Joe and, you know, obviously the whole stuff with Elizabeth Warren. And, um, and I, so in that sense, I, I really, I really like that. And I, and I love how, like, how much of a caricature Lloyd is here. Cause he's, he's he is like what you're, you know, you're saying, Jenny, like he does devolve. And when yeah. he does de-evolve, there is some sort of pathos that you get that you haven't really gotten. And since like maybe the first episode that you see him with. And, and that's what I really love. The, the thing that doesn't work for me in this courtroom, because I actually think the courtroom scene here is probably the best part of this episode. Um, mm-hmm. is just the rat woman. Like it, it's just so <laughs> unnecessary. And like texting Mac about this, when he was watching the screening, at the screener he actually had a really good point it was just like why did we need the rat woman when we had julie like why couldn't julie just have that right. that role and it would have made so that. much more sense and it would have made it so much ground more grounded because i never this is another thing i never thought i'd say but like it's it's wild that like the scene in the dark night rises when the scarecrow presides over a courthouse seems more grounded than everything <laughs> that we, we're seeing here like i that's love that fucking was it crazy to, to the man in the cold sweat that's a great yes and, and it's that. and it's so like you know it's very stern it's very short it's very you know it, it's literally cold because there's ice in gotham um if we're gonna keep with the batman theme in this but uh i, I just with this it, it just she took it to another level that i didn't think it needed and because you already have that with lloyd and lloyd's already pretty much operating on a, on a wild level at that point and it just it just felt too comical for me. It um, is it is weird that they got I, and I understand they there is somewhat of a dearth of strong female characters I think in the I mean there are there's a good number of them but compared to guys there there there's a lot less. Mm-hmm. So I understand the impulse to like you know I love that they made Ralph a, a woman. Um you, you know but it, it is weird to me that they they got I understand the impulse to make more female characters but it's weird to me that they didn't do a Lucy Swan well, well, mo- mostly did not do a Lucy Lucy Swan. They didn't do a Susan Stern, but they made the Rat Man, who's barely in the book. He's in, <laughs> he's, in, in he's in the in the miniseries more than he's more in than the he's book. in the book. Yeah, and I think honestly, for real, I, this maybe sounds a little conspiracy theory, but I think it, I think it's true. I think they really were glomming onto the viral aspect a little bit, a little bit of Rat Man. Oh yeah, because anyone who knows mm-hmm. the stand always does. Oh, the Rat Man forgive you. This you know, yeah, it's an iconic it's, part yeah. of the '94 series. And, yeah. and, I, and it's just what, so half-assed. These I know stuff. it's yeah. It's, like, and, like think about him. Like all of them. Like for the most yeah. part. Like we're, we don't get anything with Ray. We don't. Yeah. We, we hardly get anything with Rat Woman here. Like other than like this scene, I guess, and you know, a later scene with her and you know. Hey, hey, Lloyd. she gets to be like a lawyer slash judge. She gets to be a doctor. She gets to be a doctor. Right. Yeah. Hey, she gets to be more of a judge than the actual judge that they gender swapped earlier on. Like, I mean, <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. Insane. Like, 
Yeah, I think my issue with Lloyd is I just don't buy that he's that he can. And the thing is, what you guys are saying is is softening me on my point, and I'll explain why. But I think um, I just don't buy that as one of the top people in a community where they regularly crucify people for defying orders that he is this squeamish about killing someone. Yes. That's something that I don't I don't really buy. Um, and so because for me, his struggles were always the idea that the ship is going down and that he knows that. And he has a, he has that moment with Glenn and Glenn says, if you're going to shoot anyone, shoot Randall flag. Like that's his moment of choice where he can say, all right, this ship is is going down and I'm, and what I love about Lloyd in the book, and the thing is he has less of an arc in the book mm-hmm. than he does in this show, but I almost prefer that because I think that there's a nobility about Lloyd in the book and that even when he knows the ship is going down, his arc is that he remains loyal. Yeah. He remains loyal to Randall Flagg until the very end, and he never has that moment where he turns. Here we have him being like, unlock these guys, like, I can't do this, and this whole kind of thing. And maybe if those wheels had been set in motion a little bit earlier, there I know there's a couple of moments where he seems a little squeamish with what flag is doing but if there was some effort made where like the rat woman is a line where she says she's like the entertainment director right yeah i kind of like that line just because it it helped me understand sort of the hierarchy um in vegas a little bit and if maybe there was this indication that lloyd was sort of uh you know um a figurehead in a way he 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 wasn't actually doing anything like that there is this this implication that he is doing things that he is like in the book he is the one who helps kind of organize um you know the the planes that are that are flying out with the bombs and everything like he is doing those jobs and i assume he was doing the same here but if there was an implication to say that he's just been doing drugs and hanging out with girls and and has just been sort of a mouthpiece for randall flag and he hasn't been privy to any of the violence then maybe i'd buy this a little bit more but i think um, and I think Nat Wolf's performance supports everything. And I agree with you guys that he's great. And he is performance wise, like one of the best parts of the episode. And, um, and I like that he finds different layers and shades like that scene when like, I actually, you know, he's such a cartoony character, but I actually did buy it when he started mm-hmm. to, you know, tear up a little bit. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. So this is, this is another like little, like, you know, little seed that I noticed that kind of echoes in the past. Remember early on in the, in these recaps, you're we talking about, how exciting it was that we're seeing other people that Flag was trying to draw in to be his right-hand man. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them was Larry. And what really would have worked here, and if they would have leaned into that as opposed to just kind of forgetting that, would have been if, if, uh, you know, if Lloyd would have figured out or realized that, like, oh, I wasn't even his first choice. I, wasn't, I was just this guy mm. that fell into the trap. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at Larry who actually was given that same choice, that same offer. And look how noble and look how look at him compared to where I'm at. And that would make sense why eventually at the end he does turn and he says, all right, well, I'm going to let these guys, we got to let right, these guys go. Right. And they had all that stuff there. Like all the breadcrumbs were ready, but they just abandoned it. And like that yeah. would have made that idea, that concept of choice hammer down so much harder. And it's just like they start that in the beginning and then they just – forget it and maybe it's just because there's you know, like 60 different things happening uh you know in this the five or six episodes after that but i don't know it just sucks it just yeah. made me realize that that was another thing that was just like eh, they could have done that and they, they didn't do it right well, yeah 
I think the thing with Larry, because I agree with you both, and I think in the show that I want this to be, I would want his arc to be closer to his arc in the book, like the nobility of standing by the person who saved you, good or bad. But because we don't... But I also think the, the thing that makes it the stand is because somebody finally realizes that all I really have to say is stop or no, and I'm not afraid of you, you know, mm, and that yeah. you can't have my fear. It's like the Heather and uh, Freddie moment, not Heather, um, Nancy and Freddie, like I'm taking back my power. Um, and in the book, we have other people that can do that. Like we have the the guy who stands up right at the end and he yeah. like lasers his mouth closed or something. And yeah. we have other people in Vegas that can start doing that. But we don't have enough people that have been introduced here. Right. So somebody has to do it. And I do like that it's Lloyd, especially because of the way they've built his character. And the moment that really struck me was when he said to Larry, he's like, I really like your music. And that's, I feel like yeah. when you can see the humanity in him is like, do I really want to do this? You know? Right. And I, so I do like it in that. If this is the show we get, that's what I want for Larry. Sure. For um, Lloyd. Yeah. I like all that. I think that's good. Let's talk about a character that perhaps I have a strong feeling that None of us probably enjoyed this arc too much, but uh, her name is Nadine. Uh, how I love to love Nadine. Um, I uh, how I love to hate Nadine. More no, <laughs> when we, when we lost her with Nadine, I was being wildly optimistic on the last episode about how uh, I thought sort of instead of her becoming catatonic, she sort of you know went. Uh, full evil. Uh, she had this baby in her stomach. She greeted them um, at the front door, and she had this kind of uh, sunken look on her face that was very zombie-esque. And I kind of, uh, I think I like the idea that, you know, go there, make make Nadine have a full evil arc. And uh, what they did was um, they didn't commit to it. She didn't go full evil and they tried to give her, they tried to give her that and then a redemption and too much, too oh much. There's too much going on. So essentially we, I, and I was pissed that we didn't get to, see, you know, we see her say welcome to New Vegas at the end of the last episode. I wanted to see that conversation. Yeah. We didn't get it. Instead, we get later, she comes to visit Larry and she just says some like boilerplate pap about like, what is the line? She's essentially like, um, you this know, is you, who I always was. this is who I always was. It took me coming here to realize that. And then, but the thing is like, which feeds into what you thought you said last week. And so you think that, that she would still well, do that. Like, right. Like uh, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, good. Yeah. Like rock on own that, own that. And then instead all he does is hold up a fucking plate and she sees <laughs> right. a reflection and she starts to like doubt it. And then she, suddenly she goes into contractions and, and then what is it that even causes her to turn because the birth is painful or something like well, I, 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 I watched herself. this scene twice. I, I thought it's like, she sees herself, right? Like, and then, but then that doesn't yeah, make any sense because she's seen that herself That makes no else. sense. She's seen herself. I don't get it, man. It's the uh, Martha. Yeah. It's literally the Martha in Batman versus Superman <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> like, where you're like, what? Like, that's, yeah. that's the uh, Jen, what, what do you, what do you have to say about the birth scene and Nadine Ooh. so well, on and so forth? Okay. So two things. First of all, the, the, this is who I always was, like, I guess, but we never knew who you yeah, were. So that exactly. line was the line that I was like, okay, who are you now? I don't even know. And then the mirror of truth was um, a little bit weird. Um, okay, here's the thing, my problem with the birth. Like, she's she's about to give birth because this is a change from the book. In the book, like, she's not showing. Like, she's, mm -hmm. she's in the early stages of pregnancy. And, like, if she were a normal person, probably wouldn't even know she's pregnant yet. 
Um, but here it's like all of a sudden she's about to have a baby. So she's like, something doesn't feel right. And I wrote, yeah, no shit. You just got pregnant yesterday and you got this thing like rolling around in you. It's like species and, too. Exactly. Yeah. And, right, right. And so she's supposed to realize that he used her in the scene. And here's why it doesn't work. But And as a person who has had two babies, like, and if you're pregnant now, you're going to be fine. I always worry to scare people. Like, birth is hard. It fucking hurts a lot like I screamed for somebody to give me drugs or kill me like you think you're gonna die sometimes you're not if you're pregnant you're fine um but like the fact that he doesn't care right there that's not enough for me to believe that she realized he used her but Mm -hmm. if it's early on and she sees this and she realizes like she doesn't even have a moment of realization it's like it breaks her once like he impregnates her and like that feels so much more believable to me this one was just like oh you're it hurts yeah no shit it hurts are are you saying if she realized oh i'm showing this is some kind of demon baby it's not like a um like are you saying if she had been freaked out by just the initial freakishness of the of the of the this particular pregnancy or the do you mean the sexual encounter like in yeah yeah Yeah. the sexual encounter but i mean also like the pregnancy too because i think she knows that she's pregnant Mm -hmm. um and i mean you could argue that it's the sexual encounter or you could argue that it is being impregnated by like what is essentially a demon baby a demon seed yeah right yeah i think that's a great point and um and yeah i texted mike because i was the one who was arguing for oh this could be cool and then i texted mike when i was watching i was like she I just wish she was catatonic, you know, <laughs> like I just right. wish we went that route because it, yeah. it would have been more satisfying because it's like they tried to give her an emotional arc here uh, and it just it doesn't work because there's not enough time. And instead, if it's just the idea that he the sexual encounter and the baby are what broke her and that's she's had like a few days or whatever to sit with that and to be like Larry was right. I don't mm-hmm. even care that she has to say that. It's just kind of like but to try to do this whole thing where she goes full evil sees herself in a plate and says, okay, I'm, you know, he doesn't love me and I'm going to jump out the window. And then it was bad CGI of her falling. Oh yeah. And I could never, I could live the rest of my life without ever seeing a pregnant woman leading with her belly fall. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. No, thanks. Randall, how would this look if she didn't turn though? I don't know. Like, that's the thing is surprise me. Like if you want to go that route, uh, what happens when the baby comes out? You know what I mean? Like go there a little bit. And I I thought because they were showing, so much of this baby and because you're seeing it move underneath her skin i was like oh man we're gonna she's gonna give birth to this thing it's gonna figure into the plot in some kind of way does the baby connect to the hand of god that could be cool you know like i'm like i I thought they were going to do something magnificent with this big change from the novel and then Mm -hmm. all they did was just delay the eventual reaction from the novel it's like okay we're gonna plant this this huge big thing and then just and then just do what we were gonna do anyway. And look, I I do like anticlimax sometimes, but mm-hmm. I don't think this was the place for it. If, it felt weird to take this big risk only to literally go, um, yeah, just go with what was in the pages. Yeah, what were you gonna say, uh, Jen? Yeah. It was like half an episode that this lasted. And I think the one of the biggest problems I have is just the fact that it's like they didn't trust us to know that she was pregnant if she wasn't like about to give birth, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And there's also <laughs> yeah. the thing with the rock because or the stone necklace because it's implied and I didn't catch this till I watched it the second time it's implied that like when it lights up it like mind controls you you know and then when she stabs the glass that's when she breaks that control but I feel like that has not been established nope. throughout this not season. at all so no, it's like okay that's interesting we could have done that and here's the thing like just in general like if you have to watch the episode a second time to catch some of these things 
it mm-hmm. essentially doesn't matter because most people are not going to watch these things twice, you know? Right. hundred percent. What if she just, what if she had given birth and it was like a mini mother Abigail and then mother Abigail like <laughs> saves mother Abigail is the one who blows up Vegas. No, I mean, I'm now half, I'm I'm like half joking. Pop, I'm like half, jo- I'm half joking, but having, having the baby figure somehow into the climax could have been really cool and yeah, something I agree, yeah. a, a well, really yeah. surprising Jen, thing. you did reference know. something. We're not going to be able to say it cause we're not there yet in the, yeah, on, on, yeah, the on the, yeah, the journey yeah. in the dark tower. But, uh, Oh, man, that would have been a really yeah, cool Dark reference. Tower. We'll just say this: Dark Tower heads probably know what we're hinting at yeah. right now. Yeah, so which would we'll have been cool. There. That, that would have been a very been really cool, cool reference. That actually yeah. would. If, if that's how, um, how do I say this? That's well, they could have redeemed it because that, if, if that, that if, if they the had book. that be the way that a certain person gets brought down in this, that, that yeah. could have been like, oh, yeah. that, that would have been like a like a head explosion thing. I think for Stephen King fans, yeah. which yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, so what else? Been. I mean, yeah. I guess uh, like <laughs> exactly. we can talk. Yeah, I guess we can talk about the hand of God a little bit. So um, funny story. I <laughs> was I well, I watched it once and I said, oh, good. Thank God they didn't do a hand, uh, an actual hand. And then I rewatched it. And yeah, it's a fucking hand around the 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 Inferno Casino. I was like, God fucking damn it. I will say, though, I did. I didn't dislike the scene necessarily, um, but it made me miss so much uh, Snuffy Walden's score. And it made me realize how effective I actually think um, the the. Uh, the climax of the 94 version actually works because I just love the score. Yeah. It's like, it actually makes it feel epic. And even though I don't love like, like, it's you know, the, the, the hand, of, it's just the effects yeah. in the 94 one that is the problem. Like, yeah, the effects are bad, but then also the, like some of Larry's line deliveries are a little bit, you know, yeah. and it is, and it is very like, and it is very Christian, like in the 94. Yeah. And I do like that. They've, they've kind of excised a lot of those aspects and they, they kind of leaned on the fear, no evil aspect, which I think is, it works and it's solid. Uh, but, but yeah, like, um, but just the, the, I will say as much as I struggle with, with, you know, Adam's torque in that, in that scene, he does him and Ralph have this like awe, this sense of awe, this mm-hmm. like quiv- quivering voice that to me always really worked. And Randall flag was so on Jamie Sheridan is so unflappable in the 94 version. Like even as things are going and he doesn't really panic and turn into the beast until like that last moment. Right. Like when, when um like the missile, arrives and he kind of knows that things are going down like Skarsgård here and the thing is there's good and bad aspects to this for me but Skarsgård here is a lot more scared and um and I don't really like and I think part of it has to do with the idea of what you mentioned earlier Jen which is that it doesn't take much to defeat him actually it just takes like taking a stand against him but at the same time I found myself missing Whitney like the idea that this person could come forward and say we gotta stop this yeah. And then uh, and then he just laughs at him and then sh- zips his lips shut and hits him with an electricity ball. I actually like enjoy that demonstration of power, which we don't get here. Um, but essentially, I guess just to break down the scene briefly, uh, Julie introduces Lloyd, who introduces Randall Flagg. Uh, they bring Larry and Ray into a pool. And so they're kind of, like Jen mentioned earlier, they're moving away from the uh, dismemberment boxes, which are, it's too bad. Uh, but I mean, I will say though, um, 
is this not really as imaginative as the boxes? No, but as somebody who is terrified of drowning, yeah. I did mm-hmm. find this really horrifying. Mm-hmm. So like basically chains them to the bottom of this pool, starts filling the pool up with water, and then they have a dance party. And then um, as the water is filling and as Lloyd is essentially saying, I don't think I can do this, uh, then the hand of God begins forming outside and I kind of love the funnel aspect. There's like this mm-hmm. funnel that yeah, comes cool. into. It, I mean, it looked cool. The effects were cool. Like, I, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. It, it hints at the hand just enough. Yeah, um, that's. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, for... the hand didn't bother me. I guess for me, I don't know. I agree with you guys. Like, I, the effects wise, I like that it was kind of from smoke and clouds, and where you had to squint a little bit mm-hmm. to to see it. I don't know though. I, I feel like the hand is the thing. It's like the universal thing that everyone hates about the stand, right? Like everyone yeah. is like, <laughs> even people, I mean, we, we all love the stand in this podcast. Everyone loves It's one of his most beloved books. You, it is hard to find someone who will defend the actual hand of God. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you couldn't have done anything there. You, you have a dude who can shoot electricity from his hands. You know, there are already supernatural elements of, you know, at play. I mean, I don't know. I guess it ties to the, the religious aspects which are such a huge part of the book and the movie but i don't know i my my problem with the stand just as a story in general is that it wants to have a very nuanced ambiguous take on religion but then in the end we get it's oh no god is real and god is good you know and so i don't know maybe maybe that's maybe i shouldn't blame that on this miniseries like that's from the source material right and that's like some problem with the just the overall narrative i think in general not the miniseries but the book too i mean this epic battle of good and evil literally ends in a deus ex machina like, yeah. like, a lit- like literally a machine of God. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's a yeah. literal hand. I mean, and I think that's one of the biggest problems with it. It's just, you know, thematically and also, in, you know, in literally when you're looking at the hand. Um, but I, but again, I, I agree that I think that they make it vague enough where it does look like the, 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 the storm. Obviously, kind of see the, the, the hand aspect of it, too. It's a little bit um, like Sandman in, in uh, Spider-Man 3, I guess. But um, the <laughs> Thomas Hayden like, Church that's, plays that's, the Thomas Hayden Church, yeah, he just starts hey. voicing God. Not hey, now, not now, flag. <laughs> you guys are all getting your bones smooched. Um, but I, I just... <laughs> I just uh, my thing with the 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 way that this all unfolds is that it, you have like so many different things that are happening in this scene. Like you you have like trash that comes in with like the nuclear bomb, and to me it's always felt very like well you already have that so why didn't you just like narratively instead of why don't you just bypass the hand of God thing and just have it where trash is a fucking crazy person and you know that he put his trust into flag and then he's the one that causes the the, the death of all of them mm-hmm. and it's this like this chaotic person that he couldn't manipulate that's the golem i mean of, yes of, exactly yeah. and like so i never understood why that wasn't just the ultimate end all be all for vegas it just seems well, I, so I like, think that there is this you know i think there is i think king do, is very adamant about uh, the idea of a higher power and this mm-hmm. is something that we're going to be talking about in desperation a lot but i think with you know, I, th- I will say if there's one thing I liked is that the series really did veer away from planting this in a Christian sort of idea, but mm-hmm. it did posit the idea that there is a higher power and there is sort of perhaps a guiding hand, if you want to call it matter and whatever. What if the smoke was a turtle? Um, <laughs> hey, but, honestly, uh, wouldn't that, I've been that into would be it. Cooler. I think that would be cool. But but I, I guess what I liked about about Flag sort of being a little more scared um, and kind of powerless in that moment uh, because. And, you know, and he actually here, he sort of like gets his comeuppance in a way. He gets zapped by a bunch of lasers. And uh, whereas in the 94 version, he sort of just disappears as a crow right when the bomb blows up, which I prefer. I don't need to see him like get beat up, you know. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, but I will say I do like the sort of cowering aspect because it plays into the version of Randall Flagg that I want to see in this show, which is, and I've talked about this a lot in the pod, but, you know, as the opportunist, as um, as like the trickster, the person who isn't necessarily a god, but um, wants to be one and acts mm-hmm. like one. And so I love that moment. And, and obviously, you know, in the grander world of Stephen King, uh, Flagg does sort of prove to be what I'm describing, um, which no spoilers, but, um, but I think with this version, I do enjoy that they play into this idea where he's like, fuck, I'm busted. You know what I mean? Like, like the God is now here and I went too far or something like that. I was, I was reading that because it it infantilizes him in a way that I think is really, is really fun. Like you see all the power gets sucked out of him, especially without all the people sort of worshiping him like he wants them to. Um, So I guess I was like mixed on that a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, I didn't really need the Randall flag. It's zapped by lasers. (laughs) Yeah. Cause the problem with that, because I, I, I totally agree. I like that you see like the air come out of him and we didn't talk about earlier when people stop cheering and he sinks to the Mm, floor like I really like that my problem is the scene goes on way too long and so everybody has run out of the casino and they don't see that and I think that's a really important thing for him to be cowering in front of everyone because that's what makes the point of taking the air out of the room is when he's actually presented with something bigger than him yes he has nothing what I do like about this change I don't think it was intentional, but I like that it's because, yes, it is a hand and it's a finger, but it's also a little lightning ball thing, which I I could have lived without seeing it explode everybody. Um, And I think just send it down and blow the thing up. But I like that it is the thing. It's like the thing that he that flag himself in the book sends out that zips like laser zips the guy's eyes shut and that it gets bigger and bigger. And I liked I would like to think that they are playing with the fact that the hand of God maybe is not all good. Maybe there's Mm. a little bit of flag in that, too. And maybe there's a little bit of both worlds. I don't think they're doing that. I think they just did a cool thing, lightning thing. But I like what you're saying there, because I think that actually supports the read that um, by this point, you know, it is the idea that God is cruel mm-hmm. um, yeah. because the people who do sort of repent like Lloyd, he still dies, you know, yeah. like um, uh, Lloyd actually has kind of a fun death where one of the giant uh, centerpieces on the ceiling like falls. He ducks, yeah. it swings back and kills him. It's uh, Final fun. Destination. Yeah, yeah, that's what Mike said when <laughs> yes. I was here texting you. It's very Final Destination. Um, and yeah, we but we also see sort of Julie and the Ratwoman get blown to pieces by this exploding lightning. But one thing that I do think is telling and supports that is, you know, the old man that we see in the um, the courtroom, who then we come back to a lot. And he says, you know, it was funny because since they kept focusing on him, I thought that he was going to be the one like Me to too. say, like, I, I, thought he I was will fear no be evil. The Whitney. Is it Whitney in the book? Who yeah. Yeah. Does, I thought he was going to even looks a little bit like the guy from Forrest Gump who plays him in the, the yeah the and so I thought he was gonna be that too but then he's just like what like the 30th person to do it and then he gets yeah. beat up by a bunch of guys um so but they do show him later when everything is getting blown up and the implication is there that yeah even this guy who like saw the error of his ways um it's it's too far like God is is cleaning house right now and yeah, so yeah, cool. uh yeah so I thought that was I I think that supports what you're saying Jen um and it supports King's idea that I think you know God isn't this uh benevolent all-loving caring being I, but rather a cruel deity it it, it kind of ties into what people are saying right now with all the you know after the the capital where they're saying well okay well you can come around and you know the things but we'll remember 
you know, mm, like yeah. we're going to remember what you said, you know, you repent all you want. You could say all your things, but the damage is done. Like yeah. Yeah. if you want to keep the political themes going. Does it count? Sure. Yeah. I, I yeah. also do like, I know we talked about the water torture or the drowning, maybe not being, it's also weird too, because if these people are used to seeing gladiator fights all the time, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, right. I was actually imagining what would it look like to watch someone drown? If you're Boring. just above the water, it wouldn't look like anything. Right. <laughs> they just float. I swear. I thought there was going to be a shark coming yeah. out of one of those. Oh, things. that would have been, that cool. would have been awesome. <laughs> flag. That would be, flag. Yeah, it would be amazing if they did have a shark. Uh, Fla- uh, flag turns into a shark. He's like, oh, <laughs> let, <laughs> let me introduce you to my new form. <laughs> just uh, time to take but, a bite. But uh, I did. I, <laughs> I I do but I do enjoy um I I like the final image that we get of Ray and Larry. I really I actually was really moved I by them too. being underwater and you don't know what they're saying to each other and they just hold their hands. I actually thought that was a very strong way to end this arc of the titular stand and what they were yeah, doing. It was lovely. Yeah, that was can, Should we talk about um I I I know Randall's got thoughts on on uh, Trash Can Man in the scene because I Randall and I were kind of defenders of Trash Can Man. I think on that the his introduction, yeah, with yeah. the hopes that okay, maybe they're gonna do something really cool and different with him. And nope, it was just nope. I can't. Know what I kept thinking because he kept doing that, going as high into his register as he can, kind yeah. of thing. And I'm like, know what this is? His it's like in Dumb and Dumber where Lloyd goes, "Want to hear the most asso- annoying sound yeah. in the world?" And goes, <laughs> "It's like that distilled into a character." And I was just. Yes. I, I don't think plot wise I, I needed trash to do anything else. I think just because we were somewhat justifying Ezra Miller's performance, I was yeah. just hoping there would be something more there. But um, I did laugh when he, when he came into the hotel and said, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the, you're supposed to take it to the airplane. I look cracked up at that. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, that was, that, that was, was kind of funny. That was I thought makeup funny. kicked ass. I, I, I did think he yeah. looked really grotesque gross, because yeah. as a kid, one of the things that really bothered me, and I was thinking about this while watching it is Matt Frewer's like makeup at the end of the miniseries. Oh, like so that's good. one of the things as a kid that really bothered me because I just didn't understand Radiation why that was happening. And... I was like, I, like for me, I thought it was just because he was out in the sun. Yep. And being I had in, the same reaction. And being in Florida, I was like, Oh God, I hope that doesn't happen if I'm out <laughs> on the beach. And so I got scared about that. And so this, this, yeah, I love he really takes effective. his goggles off in the 94 oh, and so, it's like sticky. Oh, that's and stuff. so gross. It's so, so disgusting. When, gross. Yeah. When Ezra oh, Miller ahead, said, then. well, just one last thing I'll, I'll let the rest of y'all talk about. So, this is like if if Mike Vanderbilt was here, he would know what I was talking about. So in Transformers, the movie, the animated movie, not the Michael Bay one, they're the Dinobots who are you know they're forces of nature, the Dinobots, and they they storm into this place to save another one of the Autobots, and they knock down the door on a villain, and the Triceratops Dinobot walks across the door and walks on the guy's face, and he says, "Excuse me," and so I was like, <laughs> it kind of, I'm like, oh, I wonder if Ezra Miller's channeling. Slag the Triceratops Dino from yeah. So um, yeah, you know when any, I played anyway, the Trash Can yeah. Man, I was very inspired by uh, no, Slag the Triceratops. For, yeah. <laughs> I could see him saying some bullshit like that. Probably, I, know. But. I know, seriously. And then, and then the interviewer is like, "Well, that's a nice tangent, but I asked you about the time you hit that uh, person." Oh Jesus! Um, one last thing to discuss before we move on is our man Stu, Stu Redman. Uh, oh, yeah, forgot we get a couple that. scenes, yeah, of him Useless. of. Of him, of him <laughs> suffering. He's so good, though, man. I loved. I, he I, I really he's great, loved but him. these scenes are bullshit. Like, come on. Like, it, like I, I literally wrote. It was just like he literally. <laughs> I was like, I had it broken down in the road so far, and I was like, Stu and Desert, Kojak hurting, not much. Like, yeah. it's like literally just cutting to him to the sake that you're like, oh yeah, Stu. 
Right. That's it. Which There's I no, mean, yeah. I don't mind. I, I the only thing I wrote about that was Kojak convinces him not to take his pills. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a Good wolf dog. thing. Yeah, I, I know. Think, and then Kojak fights a wolf, which is yeah. a nod to the book. Yeah, yeah. callback. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the problem is, I mean, we don't see a lot of Gary Sinise um, back in the trench in the '94, but we see him getting really sick, and yeah. we don't really see that here, right? I mean, he, I guess he's a little sick, but you, you don't you can see, see that he's sick. But it's like there isn't the implication that's a life know, or death situation. That it's like, a life or death thing. Yeah, and, and he has that really cool moment that really sells the whole thing where Gary Sinise looks and sees the flash and doesn't he say something mm-hmm. like, well, no more Vegas or like goodbye Vegas or something like that. Doesn't he climb all the way to the top of the room yeah. to watch yeah. it too? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Does yeah. he watch it with Tom in the miniseries? Mm-hmm. No. Right? In the miniseries, I think Tom, it happens with him and Tom together yeah. in the book. It happens before he before Tom finds I, him, I believe. I haven't really been on a lot of the episodes where that you guys have talked about Marsden, but I I just do want to say I think he's incredible in this. I really I I, I, I love yeah, Marsden too. I didn't think I was going to, and I was really impressed by his. He was my work. MVP last week. I, very likable. I just felt very like it could get a little more, you know, just something else. Like maybe he's you know has to figure out something, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like you know, oh, just like something is, else for him to do. Yeah, just do yeah, something. Yeah. Like have a running like arc other than you know, maybe the wolf appeared that you could hear the wolf in the first scene and there's like something that like hints at it. But it felt very like it wasn't much of a B plot for the <laughs> yeah. episode. Yeah. 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 Well he Yeah, so oh go ahead, John. I was gonna say just in general, he hasn't had much to do throughout the miniseries, which I mean I think I always think of Stu as like the main character in the yeah. stand, you know? And, yeah. But I yeah. think he's doing great with what he has mm-hmm. to do, you know. Yeah, he's just so he's so likable and so yeah, handsome. That guy oozes charisma and hunkiness too. Let's. Oh yeah, and I haven't talked about how hot he is in uh, a while, but he is very hot. So, yes. <laughs> well, when also, you get to cut your teeth in movies, like dis- dis- yeah, 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 a lot, lot of hunks in just this. Just for the record. So, so the episode uh, more or less ends with the bomb going off. Um, our trash can man's yeah nuke going off uh tom basically kojak runs off finds tom leads uh him to stew and then we flash back to boulder and basically signs of the explosion are visible in the sign in the sky in boulder and uh little joe has a moment where he you know has telepathically senses that larry is gone i like um, I, I did like that we saw the scope of the explosion in this too because mm-hmm. in the miniseries the original one just because of budget reasons you just see the flash and that's kind of it. I, I like yeah. this. I like that we really saw, oh no, this is what a nuclear warhead would do and you would be able to see it from hundreds of or thousands. How, I don't know how far Boulder is from Vegas. But well, yeah. it's funny because, you know, Lloyd picks them up, picks up Larry and Glenn and Ray like right outside where Marsden falls down um, in this version of it. And I can't imagine it was that far to Vegas. So it makes me worry about like the radiation fallout. That's I know in the book, Sammy said. <laughs> yeah, King sort of gets away with it in the book by saying if the wind had blown a different direction that day, then things would be entirely different. But he essentially says the wind blew it uh, west. And then, um, and so. Yeah, but anyways, here it looks like Tom is like running through nuclear fallout. So I'm just like, <laughs> right. you guys are I actually was thinking about Chernobyl, like like the, with the next episode, yeah. it's just like Chernobyl, like Tom's like skin oh. falling off, and oh. <laughs> yeah, they just collapse. Like Kojak's like, when they get back. <laughs> yeah, Kojak's like a skeleton. It just it just Aww. it goes it goes back well, to the Boulder Free Zone, and it just focuses on like. Fran and Joe, but they're they're the two nuclear technicians who are who having to crank the water, but it's useless. It's just oh it's just, god, oh. that scene is just that that episode is more harrowing oh, than anything else man. in that, so that sad, episode. Yeah. I will say yeah. I looked so I looked it up um, because I know that you know there'll probably be people that are picking next, but 
the the mushroom cloud so can it be seen so we we already told in the last episode of the walk that they have to walk 800 so miles to get to vegas right so i looked it up and i asked uh google uh, the search engine that you can find a lot of things and um i asked well how far could you go to see a nuclear bomb a mushroom cloud from a commonly deployed nuclear weapon between 100 and 500 kilotons would top out between 14 and 19 kilometers, which could be observed from 420 to 490 kilometers away, respectively. For megaton-sized weapons, the cloud tops might be observable to, if not beyond, 700 kilometers away. So, how many, how many okay. miles is that? That's a... That's definitely There's close. No way to know. That's I know more than eight, more than. <laughs> well, you only get one question to Google every day, and, uh, and I use mine up. Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All 80s Movies Podcast, with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. So, <laughs> that's cool. That's interesting. Um, yeah. on, that, on that note, let's move to a section we call heroes and villains. I'm going to have to kill this fucking clown. Welcome to the Losers Club, Basil! <laughs> Hero and heroes and villains, we don't have new characters to discuss. So I guess this is maybe a good time to maybe just shout out a couple performances we liked or um, anything we just haven't had a chance to say about uh, the other characters yet. I will note. Uh, well, we wait a second. Wait, 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 Randall, you're mistaken. It's, it's, it, it's Mars and Scars. Oh, my God. You're so right. I fucked this <laughs> up. Uh, <laughs> saw you leaving. You bored with the sermon? <laughs> no, no, just not really my thing. Can I give you a piece of friendly advice? Sure. Now, it's one thing to come into town and think you're too good for the people who live here. I don't know why you'd say that. I, I but, wouldn't. But being too good for God, that's another thing entirely. Ah, yes, you're correct. Welcome to Mars and Scars, the <laughs> section where we talk about James Marsden and Alexander Skarsgård. Uh, and Kojak sometimes. He's a dog, but he's still an actor. Um, so No small parts, yeah. you know. <laughs> so yeah, I think one thing we can confirm in our here in um oh, sorry Mars and Scar section, Mother Abigail <laughs> definitely dead. Uh, there was some discussion last week. Dan, <laughs> did you think Mother Abigail died in the last episode? Yeah, I thought she died. Why do you think she died? Wait, was she? Am I am I am I melding mixing the two in my head? Did they show her die in this one? No, no. but no. they they say she died at least. Uh, I think. Like, I, all right, this is and this is something I struggle with with the mini series in general because I know the book so well. I think okay, she's in the hospital. She she dead now, you know. But she like, dead now. <laughs> but it, it, like it was, I did think that oh, the way her death makeup looks is actually how she should probably look throughout the rest of the series. <laughs> yeah, without, she's yeah. supposed to be old. Um, yeah, no, I think they don't show her die in the, in the last. Well, 
they show the, the death candle blowout, which is what we discussed a lot <laughs> last week. But what if they I, were in the pool and Larry was like, they don't know she's dead. And Ray's like, I don't think she is dead. He's like, no, the candle went out. I promise. <laughs> the candle went out. I swear. Yeah, see, that was yeah, the I moment thought, when they said was... they don't know she's dead. That yeah. was the moment I was like, oh, my God. Okay, she is dead. But uh, I, I, I think was I was dead. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's tough, though, because with a lot of I, I would really like to watch this miniseries not having read the book so many times because I, yeah, I really same. do wonder like, wait, it, it, well, and Hey, I didn't think the fucking judge was dead because, and I, and I know <laughs> that happened. So yeah. It, it, you thought they do something with that character. Yeah. But yeah, she's, um, yeah, but she, but they, they showed her in the hospital. That was the last episode, right? Not, not this yeah. episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so essentially I think we, yes, yeah, so we agreed that Lloyd was, was sort of perhaps the star in terms of acting here. He got to flex, I think the most, I wish I would have seen some of those shades earlier in the uh, series, but you know, but I mean, you, he had the biggest laughs and some of the most emotional moments. Um, I, I wish I will say that in terms of acting, I just feel like Jovan Adepo didn't really know what to do in this because he's supposed to, I think, play this kind of um i think his role here is essentially to be sort of the calm one the confident one the one who because he's been sort of you know with um Stu having fallen he's sort of the leader now and he really does take that seriously and but he spends most of the episode just kind of being stoic and calm and i think that's lovely and i did i didn't like dislike the ending but i almost like related a little bit more to ray because there was such like a desperate fear that she was showing like in the moments where we did see her and i thought that was kind of neat and i think that does sort of speak a little bit to maybe, um, I don't know, the fact that she had this kind of like needy, almost uh, unearned faith in Mother Abigail. And then yeah. suddenly she was like panicking in the face of death. I thought that was interesting. Whereas Larry's Larry's sort of, you know, resignation to his fate and what was happening was more like, you know, based in a way. And yeah. I found that interesting, but I didn't, I wish that I could have gotten, I don't know. I want to see the journey more. Like it is, I think the cool thing about Larry is you look at where he started and you look at where he ends and it's such a journey. Right. It is. And um, I wanted to just feel the weight of it a little bit more. Like I can say that I think Stark Stork does that in the 94 one. You do really kind of, I think, see, and there's a, there's that line that on uh, the 94 version, it's in the book too, where it's like, it's ending, like the end is coming. Right. Like, can you sense it? And that moment is spoken with such like portentousness, like in the um, 94 one. And here Larry just kind of rattles it off, you know, when they're getting led to the pool. And I think that line's so interesting because it does kind of show that he is in a way becoming his own kind of prophet, you know, in, yeah. in this moment. And that to me is, I don't know, it's important in Larry's evolution. So I don't know, acting wise, like, did you guys think Joven was good here? Like maybe, and since he's gone, like, was he like was his performance overall uh solid as Larry Underwood a classic king character I think it was okay I don't think mm -hmm. he was given anything to, like I don't think the show was interested in his character you know yeah so I, get I don't that vibe think too. he had much to do and I will say he is a great actor I just watched Overlord the other day and if you oh is he seen the that, guy from Over I, I like he's the Overlord. main guy That's in Overlord I love that solid movie, movie. Um, I liked it and he's great in it, but I just feel like, yeah, just like you said, Randall, like the line that I always think of is he's come out the other side because mm. I feel like he has such an arc. He has a big arc with Nadine, and that's just like we didn't see nearly enough of any of that along the way. So now I think like the only redemption 
arc he gets is comforting Ray, which I could see because you're right. She is very needy. And it's like parallels the neediness of Rita at the beginning. Yep. Yep. But it's like there's just not nearly enough in between. You know, right. you don't get the sense that he has led them into Vegas either. And right. Yeah. There's really it just goes back to not enough time. You know? Yep. Yeah. I agree. I've, you know, I Larry Underwood's my favorite Stan character. He's one of my favorite King. He might be my favorite King character. Um, and I've liked Giovanna Depo's performance overall. I like that it's understated. I think that's a good take on the character, especially given how they've kind of changed the type of musical scene he's in. It's not the seventies anymore. You know, I mean, I like that he's not quite so externally erratic as, um, and I love Adam Stork's performance too, um, as Adam Stork or even in, as Larry is in the book. My issue is, yeah, it goes back to what y'all are saying about the arc because we, I think we've talked about this before, at least in the book episode, how Larry is almost the other side of Harold, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're both different as people, but they're both people who could have gone either way. And Harold yep. goes one way and Larry goes the other way. Larry really does use this as an opportunity to better himself. And I think because I, early on, I, I just wasn't crazy about the way they handled the Rita storyline and the journey in the sewer and all that. And I don't think that has anything to do with the performance. Just writing wise, I feel like they almost didn't give him enough to fight back against early yeah. on and so so there's not there's not like there's just not such the extreme for him to come out of on the other end and i know it sounds weird to say that because they did show his drug addiction they did show how he screwed over his friend they did show the thing with rita but it was all just i don't i, I can't quite put my finger on it it's been a while since i've watched that what's that the second or third episode they they do that in second too, episode right? it's been a long time so and element i watched a lot of the screeners back to back so i i wish i could articulate it more why those episodes didn't put as much investment and weight into Larry, despite him having a lot of screen time. I, I don't know. I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but for me, I like the performance, but yeah. And, and also because the Nadine storyline was so weak in this one. And I, I, I hate to say it. I do think that has a lot to do with Amber Heard's performance. And I do think it has a lot to do with the writing also. Yeah, and yeah. that's such a crucial component to Larry's changing exactly. to him because his rejection of Nadine is rejecting the dark man. Right. And because yeah. that, yeah. because we just don't feel that, it's hard for me to invest. Like I'm weirdly invested in his acting, but not the arc, the narrative arc, if if that makes any kind of sense. So yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, he yeah. conveys a lot of gravitas, which I think really works. Like in certain moments, but there is I don't know there there's a spark that's missing. I think that's not his fault. I think it's yeah, the, yeah. It's the, I would agree. It's but yeah, writing, I like him. Yeah. Over- I I actually didn't realize he was the guy from Overlord, which he's very good in that too. So yeah, and I yeah. do I do think he. I do think acting wise, like he does, he does shine in this episode as being kind of a rock. And like I said, I love that. I, I love the interactions, the interplay between him and Ray in the pool and with, and with Lloyd in that, that scene as well. I think his, I think his understated acting actually works really well in that kind of scene. Yeah. Yeah. Any other performances that stand out as uh, like, perhaps now is a time to say, Hey, that was pretty good. Well, I mean, I, I did like that final look that he gets, that Larry gets when he, you know, finally realizes that he doesn't know that, you know, Mother Abigail is, is mm-hmm. dead. Um, because like you're saying, Dan, there is that understated, you know, quality to his performance that says a lot more than what's actually written on paper. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's ultimately carried Larry Underwood to the finish line in this series. Um, because I was going to say the same thing with about Nadine. Like, if Nadine doesn't work... Larry doesn't work because you yeah. really do yeah. need those two characters. And again, it goes back to that second episode where, I mean, we've talked about how like it, the miniseries in 94 really 
worked well in the sense of combining Rita and Nadine because we were able to kind of start building the Nadine arc a little earlier. Yeah, and I agree. And, and I think a lot of a lot of Larry's qualms here could could have been solved if that third episode had been dedicated to Nadine as it should have been. Yeah, so, yeah. I agree. Um, but yeah. it, couldn't agree more. I do have a problem. With, you know, we mentioned her, uh -huh. Ray a little bit. Oh, go ahead, Mike. But like, I do have a problem with. I, I thought Ray was just such a weak character, and Me too. and I thought the performance was all over the yeah. place. I couldn't stand that. Like, it just really ultimately boiled down to like f bombs, like awkward f bombs. Like sometimes there's an art to cursing, and some people just can't <laughs> do it. And yep. I just felt like every time she was cursing, it was just like because of necessity, because CBS All Access allows it, or should I say, I'm sorry, Paramount Plus. Uh, uh, allows it um, and so it just felt there were a lot of those things and then and then it's like bitch you look bad or like yeah. little things like that was just like eh, it doesn't that doesn't it, feel like can you we get another line yeah. reading on that one it just it, there's a little things that just took me out of it and yeah. yeah kind of a it's a bummer because i like that character i mean the character's not the most well drawn but i don't know i've always liked ralph and i've i like ralph in the book and i think ralph's good in the 94 <laughs> I needed, miniseries i needed you some, know i needed some uh oh man that was a dilly of a meal <laughs> <laughs> you know he has that line in the book too. it's in the book i, I, I was when yeah, i reread because, it i was like oh my god that wasn't just a hallmarky folksy chintzy <laughs> line it was like yeah, he, he says dilly a couple times in the book. yeah he says dilly i think twice in the book <laughs> so uh, which just made me think of you of course oh yeah. that's a dilly of me <laughs> yeah um, i'm glad we got to see a little bit of um you know a little bit more of cat mcnamara um i think she's Julie. great man as, as great performance yeah. i think they kind of just didn't know what to do with her anymore yeah. by because the, they gave all this stuff to rat woman and you know. and and i who is that Fiona <laughs> know, Dorf. i'm just I laughing be... how we're using rat woman like like informally I like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Rat woman. <laughs> yeah. and i don't i don't think they'd ever call her rat woman at least from what i can gather i don't think they call uh, her anything really no they, they say rat don't they <laughs> oh, if they do, I I do hate rat. I mean, um, she has a great moment with Lloyd in the hallway. That and, hallway and, scene's and, great. And now that this is another seed that I kind of wish we saw more of throughout the series, where you see the fear. You know, yeah. like if the people don't see the fear of flag, the people that are top have to. And that, I mean, look, we're going to talk about Trump. Uh, we've been talking about throughout the whole episode, but like that's something <laughs> that we saw for four years, where people mm -hmm. that were close to him and then finally got out of his circle, and all they talked about were. Just how chaotic things were, and no mm -hmm. one really believed him at that point. These people that would walk out, um, and I think that's in that hallway sequence with Lloyd and Ratwoman. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounds so stupid, um, <laughs> but like, oh, and Ratwoman, um, right. you know, but like that—that like that, 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 Ratwoman, the, the, the Ratwoman. Um, I just love that, like. I, I love that sort of humility that's at display and especially when like yeah. Lloyd's crying and I loved the sequence when he's like, you know, if you didn't want me to kill that hippie, I, I, I just wish you would have told me. And like, yeah, that's great. I wanted more of that. And like that, in that scene, I buy Ratwoman and the, I get that they're both these, you know, purveyors of this bullshit message that they have to mm -hmm. sell, but they themselves don't really buy it, and they're starting to not buy it. Do and I love that. So I don't know. I yeah. like that. Moment. If if we're yeah. gonna be if we're gonna stick with the the Trump analogy, do you think that in real life Matt Gates is Lloyd? Yeah, Kellyanne Conway is Ratwoman. Yeah, yes, We need to cast. We need to cast uh, all the all the uh, all the the Trump cronies um, as yeah. stand. <laughs> so I really liked Ratwoman in this episode. She was one of my 
the stronger parts for me. More more so because it was just so over the top, you know? Like, yeah. she reminded me of Magenta a lot. Oh, uh, from Rocky yeah. Horror? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which I was really into. Like, it kind of annoyed me how she had a different cute little outfit for every scene, but I also really liked it because it was fun. I was like, ooh, this is what a nurse looks like in this world. And it reminded me of early seasons of America's Next Top Model where they would have, like, a theme and then, like, the, the weird versions of everything. And I, I just thought Fleager, it was fun. Fleeger knows someone who is on America's Next Top Model, the one oh, of the really? really early seasons. Yeah, you should ask him. I forget. He went is to college with, with one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, had, he had baby bio with uh, Tyra Banks. No, he. I, I think that... Well, and I think, Jen, too, what you're saying, too, about the costumes, it's weird because, okay, if we're going to go over the top in Vegas, I would rather see that kind of thing, this sort of weird comic booky. I mean, we see it in the courtroom scene, too. Like You made the Scarecrow comparison, like the, the almost mock everything. I would rather yeah. see that rather than all the leather and like oh, the demonizing gay sex and yeah. the rest of because there were even there were even points in this in the the big finale <laughs> where you would just see in the background like there's one part they do they do like almost a like a crane view of the of the whole crowd and you know it's whatever and then you you see like a male stripper on like the monkey bars or something yeah. like, <laughs> right right so, yeah, god damn it so and I he's would, still dancing when everyone's kind of stopping no that was that, <laughs> yeah, that's the last thing they show and so i would rather see i would rather see the way rat woman's aesthetic and this and the way lloyd looks during the trial this kind of once again playing dress up i kind of equate it to i would rather see that than just the most stereotypical BDSM right. yeah, Vegas that we've, we've got. You so know far. what else it reminds me of too, and Mike, you'll like this, is it? it's America's Next Top Model, but it's also the fashion show at the end of Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Yes. You know, where <laughs> yeah. it's like these over-the-top working outfits, you know, which is and then so much it's, fun. It's a shame we just didn't get Brian in this clown dog outfit. Uh, <laughs> right. It would have been great. I've never, no, I've never, seen, never seen that movie. <laughs> what? Oh, it's so good. I hear classic. The dishes yeah, are done. Top, top 10 for me. I'm top not even joking. All time. Are you kidding me? Not even joking. It is one of the most rewatchable movies I've ever seen. Top 10. It's good. Um, Okay. Love it. Any other characters we want to shout out before we move on to our nightmares and dreamscapes? I just got to say, Joe has a. I can hear, I can talk moment at the end where suddenly he, he can just speak in full sentences. What, yeah. So. What was the line? And his voice sounded so unnatural. I was like asking myself, I'm like, why does his voice sound so natural? I'm like, oh, because he hasn't had to deliver any lines. Yeah, yet. exactly. <laughs> what was the line Mel was making fun of a couple episodes ago? It was like, daddy. Oh, uh, Nadine uh, ma- mommy is different than Nadine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, Lord. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Well, that's a nightmare. And we're going to talk about some more <laughs> nightmares and dreamscapes in our next section. If you think your dreams are disturbing, <laughs> imagine the nightmares of Stephen King. What are you, some sort of a horror movie guy? No, Clyde, I'm a literary guy. Welcome to Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Here we talk about the nightmares and happy little dreams that were in this episode. Essentially, what we loved, what we hated. We've already talked about a lot of it, but anything that we didn't really get a chance to touch on yet, I can kick us off. CGI blood, it yeah. always looks bad. When Glenn gets yeah. shot, the entire thing is undercut by the big digital splotches that pop up on him. I hated it. It makes me mad when I see it. And I also kind of hated the shots we got, like the close-ups of Glenn just like getting shot in the ground and like bouncing. I always yeah. hate those shots, like in, like where somebody just bounces as they get shot, it's unless it's played for comedy. It reminds me of Home Alone, which is it's supposed to be funny when uh, the angels with dirty faces or filthy souls. Yeah. Is. yeah. Mm. Well, do you, quick question though, for real, because they, I, I know on... You know, we watch these on screeners. 
and sometimes the effects aren't fully rendered. Like when I used to watch that show, uh, I used to cover that show Gallivant for the AV club and they would have a disclaimer about visual effects not being fish and they would have full on like backgrounds that weren't there. And do you, I mean, here's the thing, even the best CGI blood doesn't look great. Right. So I'm exactly. sure. That's but, how but, I feel. But do, you, do you think it might look a little better by the time it gets to network or I don't know. Maybe let us know in the discord. Cause Actually, you guys do. will yeah, have please. watched a do. different episode than us probably. For real. Um, yeah. And when also too, cause I like, I like that we talk about, we see all them individually explode from the lightning bolts, but I did think the effects there looked a little corny as well. Yeah. yeah. Let us know in, in, in discord, please. If the, if the blood looks good when you saw it. Yeah. Um, other nightmares or dreamscapes that we haven't had a chance to discuss yet. Mike. I, mean, I feel like we've talked about so much. Cause I mean, most of my things were like, I hated the Nadine. I, I really didn't like the, I just, I mean, I didn't, I talked about the dancing rat woman. I, I really can't think of too many other ones. I mean, in terms of like dreamscapes, I liked, I thought the explosion itself, I was pretty surprised at how, you know, well, our, well executed it was, yeah, you know, I, I mean, cause TV wise, like you don't really ever get to see great effects and that's a pretty substantial effect to have like a nuclear bomb go off. I mean, that's a, you know, wasn't too long ago when we were like, our jaws were agape at, you know, James Cameron's effects for the, the, the nuclear bomb going off in Terminator two. And it's like to see that on just television now is pretty compelling. Yeah. Um, so I like that, but at the same time, it, it's kind of undercut by not only the CGI blood, but then even some of like the explosions are like are a little too like it, it felt like PS2 <laughs> graphics. <laughs> so that part didn't work too well for me. Um, yeah, I hear that. No. How about you, Jen? I I also had the explosion. I like the moment when the hotel blows blows up. Um, mm-hmm. I also had a moment where Julie is dying and she's running in these heels and that is not easy to do. And that she like George Costanza's a lady yes. out of her yeah. way, which I loved that moment. I um, thought about George too. Yeah. But the two things, uh, two things that I had on my nightmares is the fucking Lloyd cancel the nursery. Like, is that yeah. supposed to be a serious line? Because there is no way anybody thought that's so ridiculous. Like and not even a demon would say that in that moment. It reminded me of something that you'd hear in like, like Tim Burton's Batman universe. Right. Yeah. Well, you know? I, yeah. I mean, sticking with a it. Theme, and also but- it's just weirdly phrased. Like I, yeah. I, I, I had to, uh, I had to rewind that to see, I'm like, wait, cancel the nursery. I'm like, oh, I guess they're talking about like like explodes. Yeah, I guess they're talking about a physical nursery room that they're they're building. But for for some reason, there's something about the phrasing that was just very canceled. Like like cancel Christmas is canceled. Cancel the baby shower would have made more sense. Although that still would have been pretty stupid. Um, Right. Yeah. Do you guys think was so that baby was gonna it was just gonna be a full on demon? That was the the thing. I guess so. I mean, what other know. babies are, are, you know, fully form in a day or two? I mean, you know? Renesmee from Twilight is the only other <laughs> one I can think of. Oof, Here's yeah. the other thing that really bugged me about this episode. So there's the moment when Lloyd is in the pool and he's been hit and somebody yells, I will fear no evil. And it's not Lloyd. And everybody's yelling at Lloyd to shoot her, shoot her, shoot her. And I was like, OK, he doesn't have a gun and nobody knows who this person is. How do you expect <laughs> him to shoot her? And that just that's why really I thought it was going to be the old man, because we know where he is. And if right. he says shoot him, then. And that makes a little more sense to me. Yeah. Um, I agree with you 100%. That scene was weird. I will. And then speaking of this man from the, the this <laughs> weird, <laughs> strange man we kept having to revisit as he as the doubts were lingering in his head. Um, I will say I cracked up so hard when I like when he says, I fear I will fear no evil. There's like this thug behind him, like wearing camo. And you can tell that like he was waiting for his 
cue to like run and grab him because like literally the second like he's like i fear no evil this guy like just springs at him but he it's like it's like that uh it's like a high school play or something where he can't really hurt him so he kind of grabs him and then just kind of does this (laughs) you know like and um and then the the shot when it cuts back to them all beating him up like i don't know i shouldn't have laughed but i thought like the mass beating was very funny because it just felt very like cartoony and stuff like that so yeah it's anticlimactic because you like you've been focusing on this fucking guy the entire time <laughs> and that's where it ends like i know it made me laugh so hard <laughs> i mean oh like what is this i thought it was cheesy as a device in general but at least show him like taking his stand for real like, <laughs> oh, i'm sorry <laughs> uh dan any other nightmares oh, or man, i, I think we have covered everything i mean i, I mean at least yeah, there was there were a lot of things i did like in this episode that we've touched on i'm trying to think to me what is i mean the most egregious thing to me really does feel like the Nadine storyline because it yeah. was once it, I mean, and, and, and trash can man, because a trash can man, because I, I feel like a fool now for defending it. Like I <laughs> did. I know. Cause I was like, well maybe. And he's, he's at least interesting. And then I'm like, nope, like same, nope just going to double down on it. I know, man. So, so, but the Nadine one, because once again, there, I think there were a million other directions that could have gone. And I was, re- cause if they had done something cool, with her character by delaying this, you know, by delaying her eventual arc or whatever, and, or if they had her give birth or, I mean, if, if they'd done something else with her, that to me could have redeemed what we've gotten from this character so far, just a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, and that would have left me more satisfied, but it just, it just felt like the thing deflated. So that to me was, I guess, yeah, overall the bi- the biggest, uh, the biggest nightmare for me. I'm trying to think if there's any other, cause I, I don't know. I, I love the little moments you guys are saying, like Lloyd not having a gun and everything else. I'm trying to think of there. <laughs> I have another Lloyd moment that uh, I liked uh, when he, when he's like talking to flag and he's essentially saying, he's like, remember, he's like, I've been with you since the beginning. I'm this, I'm this. And then he pauses he sees flag is unmoved and he just points at rap him and he goes, she fucking told me to do it. Like that made uh-huh. me laugh. Oh, I, like I, I thought that was a good moment of comedy uh, that to me didn't feel out of place sort of yeah, in the yeah. more emotional scene. You know? there's, there's he was one in line more, with his character. There's oh, one go more ahead, part Mike. that I liked of, of Lloyd that I thought was pretty funny when uh, when they're, I guess it's, it, Julia's t- talking about like, you know, all the people in Boulder, like in, I don't remember what she was saying, but basically the good. And Lloyd's just like, yeah, fuck them. Or whatever. Like, <laughs> I, I was, again, just cackling at that. It's just, he's legit. must have been improv too. He's like, like legit funny. I mean, I think, I think him and Owen Teague were, were both actually found moments of comedy in, in the stand that didn't feel like, and with Nat Wolf, it's almost more, I mean, for me, I mean, I think we can all agree Owen Teague is the hands down oh, yeah. the best. He's I mean, he's incredible, yeah. like incredible. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it will, like, I joked before about Emmys and stuff. I'm like, no, I think that is like, an, it should be an Emmy winning performance. I think ONT yeah. is that good. But with yeah. that Wolf's take on Lloyd, it's almost more impressive because it is so f- far from, I mean, it's weird. It's not that far from the book, but it is really far from Miguel Ferrer. And I think, I think Miguel Ferrer's performance makes us think the book is a certain way. And then when we re we reread it, we're like, Oh no, it's actually different. Yeah. And I like, I like how, Nat Wolf really did do this kind of amalgamation of all those different things. Like I actually, I actually feel like what he pulled off was very impressive. And to, and I mean, anytime, anytime you can be funny in a, a piece of genre uh, filmmaking, I think is always mm-hmm. a win. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any other like little things that be, yeah, I, feel, I feel like we've, we've covered a lot of it. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Well, speaking of little things, it's time to move on to a section we call the cemetery. What's the bottom of the truth? Well, sometimes that is better. The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. It may 
look like that person, but it ain't that person. Because whatever lives in the ground beyond that cemetery ain't human at all. I said little things because it's there's real. probably not going to be a lot in this section. It's the little things that kill, too. <laughs> oh, whoa, Bush. Oh, a little Bush Bush reference. Ooh. I love that song. That's a great little song. Things, I was thinking Little Things, things by Good Charlotte. And That's it's, what I was thinking of, too. Yeah. I was thinking Little Things. We used to. I was we, thinking Little Things, the HBO Max movie uh, starring Rami Malek. We, we used to. Uh, Golden Globe nominee, uh, Jared Leto. Yeah, Jared Leto. G- I know, it's insane. We always used to make, make fun of on little things by good charlotte they have those kind of call response lines in the in mm-hmm. the background of the song the whole time and they talk they talk about like when we had to get free lunch reduced and like <laughs> we, we, we used to think that that was so steep even even though we liked a lot of crappy music during then and and like a lot of bad pop punk like we always thought that was like so dumb just and then like they talk about riding the bus they're like uh like we had to take the bus 55 and like it's just it's, it's so dumb <laughs> Anyway, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but yeah, um, throw it out there. Welcome to Charlotte Cast. Hey, good, good, good cast. Good, good cast. Charlotte, yeah, good cast. Um, so this is a cemetery where we talk about the things that perhaps spooked us. Um, and maybe we wouldn't have a lot, but I will say I have a kind of a unique one, and I've already touched on it, but I will say that I got kind of a shiver down my spine when, when Flag was talking about the concept of, like, Captain Trips was not the apocalypse, uh, mm. only because I felt like that was really chilling and 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 felt just very much like that that sense of when there is a dictator and they are telling you things that you can see are real and they're telling you they're not real and there was just something really chilling about that about doing that for the apocalypse right like like 99 point what like seven percent of the world is dead and you're gonna say no it's not as bad as it seems right because you know um those people were all bad and we're going to rebuild them. We're going to do this whole thing like that to me. It just, it was such a dark portrait of, um, of sort of authoritarianism that we get in this episode. And weirdly, I found that kind of chilling. So that's one I had. Did you guys have anything that's that freaked you guys out at all? I, I know I just railed against this storyline overall with Nadine, which I, I don't think works, does not work for me as a story. That being said, I did think the prosthetic severed head they used was really freaky. Yeah. I, I, anytime I see smashed in teeth embedded into skin, I was going to say the teeth are what makes me. So I actually did have, and I guess too, it's on the plate, right? So that's kind of poetic justice in a weird way from Larry showing mm-hmm. her the plate. But I, yeah, that actually did that that that, that effect <laughs> really did, really did disturb me. So I, I will give them points for that. King's Dominion, Mike. I I have a King's I've got Dominion it related mind. to that. Yeah. yeah oh Dominion. wow. Oh, okay. he's right. No, I know what you're gonna yeah. say. Yeah. Oh, so, see, yeah. I actually don't know, but we'll get yeah. to that in King's Dominion. Yeah. Before we get there, Mike, did, what scared you? What what made you poop your little pants? <laughs> well, you know, I, I am scared of wolves sometimes. Uh, no, I don't know. I there wasn't really anything that that scared me. I mean, the the the, the analysis that you have, Randall, really did hit him because home. I don't know why I said <laughs> that way. The fuck was that? He said like Cartman. Hello. But no, that did hit home because it's true. Um, it's it's crazy to think, uh, you know, w- w- him saying that and then applying that to our own life and us basically being told like, oh yeah, I know everything's everything's fine, and here we are, a year fucking later, still doing this mm-hmm. and losing yep. my mind in the snow. I know, and, and I think that's part do. of it is is the idea. Of just every time I see anybody on TV or on social media tell me the the pandemic's not as big of a deal as it actually is. It drives me absolutely fucking wild. And so uh, that to me really bugs me. Uh, Jen, anything get under your skin here? 
Yeah, I had Nadine's head on the yeah. plate. That that bothered me. <clears throat> um, and I also, and I mentioned this before, um, when she's falling out the window and she's leading with her belly and just seeing mm-hmm. the way she splats, even though we don't see it, like that really kind of got under my skin. And I also want to walk back a little bit of what I said about childbirth earlier because I don't want anybody to get mad at me. Childbirth <laughs> can be very beautiful and it does not have to be scary. <laughs> but like, and I mean, it's a, like a little over the top, but like that scene where she's like, Giving birth, it kind of brought back some like scary memories mm. of like the yeah. first time because I had a, a complication and it was scary. And you know, everybody's fine now, but and hey, yeah. if you're pregnant right now, you are going to be fine. Just, <laughs> just saying, do you, thanks for the reassurance, Jen. Right? I'm, I'm a little I'm nervous about yeah. my due date. I mean, yeah, there's a moment when you're like, how is this thing coming out of me? <laughs> someone <laughs> needs to, somebody needs to Photoshop Randall's head on like Junior the poster. <laughs> 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 do, do y'all uh, think that I I once I mean we can debate all day long and I know people have different feelings about how the miniseries got structured up until this point of the non-linear structure of not really not showing the breakdown of society so much as the after effects of it and you know I think sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and I, I totally understand why the filmmakers went that route and I do respect their decision because it's a bold choice and I, I like that it was thought out that being said do you feel like we don't get as many moments of horror from this miniseries overall? Because to me, what the scariest parts of the stand are, are it's the breakdown of society. I mean, uh-huh. there's a few, there's a few scares yep. later on with flag and everything, but for the most part, what scares me to death when reading the stand is seeing that slow, not slow mm-hmm. collapse, a fast collapse. And I do, I do think the miniseries, aside from what they're trying to do story wise, I do think for like the spook factor, we do lose a bit just from not seeing so much of the plague. Um, yep. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've been thinking about that as it's, it's gone along. I'll tell you this. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, gone further, but uh, have, the yeah. scariest chapter is to come. I, I would agree. I yeah. would argue. So I would agree. Although yeah. I, I have lots of things to say about that. Yeah. But, but oh, I, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we'll get there yeah, yeah. next week. Uh, for now, let's hop over into a little, a little place we call King's Dominion. There's another world out there. I know there is. Here in King's Dominion, we talk about connections to the larger world of Stephen King, and it seems as if Mike and Jen and Dan all have one. <laughs> I'll let Give Mike me one. Creep I didn't show. I didn't. Yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't even oh, think I have a different that. one. Oh, that. Yeah. Go ahead. For creep Father's show, Day. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought you guys were going to say, um, spoiler alert for anyone who. I mean, this isn't that that spoilery. But I thought you were gonna tie it to Wolves of the Kala with the, the oh, plates they oh, the plates they toss as weapons yeah, to cut people heads, people's oh, heads off. That's probably that. a stretch. I think Creepshow is the more the yeah. The I just thought it was it, yeah. Nathan Gurney. Uh, the, the where's my cake, Bedelia? I just the mm-hmm. way that, that that's presented. It's actually on our uh, Losers Club shirt. I yeah. Think. No, yeah. I think yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I, yeah, I thought you were gonna say Kala, but no, I think you're right. I think, think that's definitely Creepshow. I mean, we did we did talk about the. Uh, the wolf scene being a callback to Kojak's um, journey in yep. the in the yeah, stand from the book, novel, yeah. yeah, where he go he, Glenn, which I think that's so cold for Glenn just to leave him behind in the book. I'm like, man, why are you doing that? And then Kojak has to follow him all the way there. Did had we seen the bellhops reminded me of The Shining a little bit, but had, they, we, they, had we seen mm-hmm. that before? Is this the first time we're seeing that? In the last episode, did, okay. they showed them briefly when they when Nadine like greeted them. We because like I remember saying, finally, some people who aren't having sex like inside the mm-hmm. casino, like a guy in a bellhop uniform, is a welcome sight. Yeah. Honestly, so so the, yeah. um so yeah, I guess I if, thought about that too though. Could you argue? I mean, I'm just like 
grasping at straws now. Could you argue that the the way the hand looks is kind of like the mist? I don't know. It's, uh, I have I have a real big one that yeah. if you looked at the banners there in the courtroom, uh, it's the Eye of the Crimson King. So oh, I was oh. wondering if that's what that was. Oh, that's yeah. cool. and, it's the, and it's the neon sign where a flag is standing on. Uh, standing oh, in the that's hallway, actually really cool. I like that. Oh, that's so, really neat. Yeah. Although I don't know, that makes me think like about the larger implications of that as it relates to the Dark Tower and the stand. But yeah. uh, in, a, in a neat way, I think that's actually cool. I'm I, The thing is, like, I feel like I glanced over that and like it struck a chord of recognition, but then maybe I just it, it just went it drifted away. So I'm glad you caught that. Um, yeah. that's There's great. one more. And it's not yeah. really to King's Dominion. It's more like Martin's Dominion, as in George R. R. Martin. Um, <laughs> and this is something that Sammy pointed out when I was rewatching it before dinner. Um, uh, Randall Flagg, the mother of dragons, queen of Adels, like that's a Game of Thrones reference. Yeah, so. oh, that just seemed like a cute, a yeah, Glenn being a little cute. Yeah, he, he watches HBO. Eyes of the Dragon. the Dragon. Eyes of the Dragon. Yeah, they uh, probably wish this series was on HBO. Um, <laughs> I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just um, okay. Like the, I just I just wish. It's weird to say I wish they had more time and it was longer because the ABC miniseries is only four episodes and I feel like they cover more ground than they do here. But I I still think this could be like an actual two, three season oh, like show, not yeah. a miniseries. Yeah. Like I think it's I think the stand has enough rich material and like just make season one all about the breakdown of society. Yep. Just make season yep. two all about Frieza and Bowler, make season three the a six episode yeah. season about about yeah. the stand. Anyway. But yeah, I agree 100 percent to the choir. For, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've been yeah. talking about that the entire time. It's been driving me nuts because it's like you just think of all the little short stories that are in the stand and that's an yeah. episode. I, I should say, too, I don't know, I because I, I think this is the last episode I'll be on. I still do really admire what they've done here. And the, like it did feel different. It felt different to me. I will say that. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I respect a lot of the changes they made. Some of that some I could I thought could have been more, better thought out. But. The, this this miniseries has actually been way different than I thought it was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. Like it wasn't some defanged, you know, crappy '90s CBS show catering to old people or anything like that. Or it, yeah. it didn't have a Hallmark quality. That being said, yeah. I mean, I mean, we've we've gone to our criticisms too. But I, I don't know. I I was actually genuinely surprised by the whole thing. Well, it gave me. I mean, honestly, like it gave me a great Harold. Yeah. yeah. Like honestly, yeah. that to me is the real kind of the real takeaway of this series yeah. is it gave me like Harold's one of, with Bowers my one of my favorite characters in the King Canon and I I think seeing his story with an incredible actor who really understood the character uh bringing it to life in a way that was modern but also felt true to the book I, I mean I don't think everything hit um as you know as well as it could but I think overall like the Harold story was really satisfying um yeah. and uh, I don't know there's still part of me that wishes he made it to Vegas and we could have seen a little yeah. bit about what yeah. was there when I talked to Owen, um, Owen Teague, you can read my interview on the AB Club. Um, he actually talked a lot about how he was reading fascist literature, um, oh, wow. preparing for the role, and because he was trolling incel forums, and so he was stumbling upon a lot of like alt right um, and you know far right ideology, and a lot of it. And he was talking to me about. Uh, Julia Savola, who's a, you know, Italian writer who, you know, was an advocate for traditionalism and in a lot of ways was like his writing sort of influenced Hitler. And um, and then also Steve Bannon apparently was a big fan of 
Julia Savola oh and was God. whispering that shit in Trump's ear. So, uh, so yeah, he was saying that he kind of, you know, dug into reading some of those books and, and those essays and writings uh, to sort of understand, um, you know, I think the sort of more authoritarian angle that that flag is pursuing in Vegas and how that would appeal to Harold, um, mm -hmm. who I, is seems less interested in democracy because he's his politics are very selfish. And, um, and I thought that to me was very, was very insightful. And again, just makes me appreciate his performance that much more because that kind of stuff didn't even really make it on screen uh yeah. but um but yeah because he, he talked to me he's like yeah i actually thought a lot about what harold's role would be in vegas like who mm. would he be in vegas like with flag <laughs> what if they had, i thought that was kind of neat i know they had they had you know harold doing the tom cruise smile thing but what if you looked over at his wall every morning it's a big picture of steve bannon just like in his <laughs> stupid army coat with his fucking cold like coffee shirts. <laughs> yeah his shirts <laughs> um, hey he owns seinfeld his, right so uh i know yeah, so that's where he gets his money yeah um okay cool let's uh uh, move on to our final thoughts. Dad, can we go now? You ready? Yeah, we've been ready for an hour. <laughs> okay, I'll be right there. You said that a half hour ago. Yeah, my dad's weird. He gets like that when he's writing. Welcome to Final Thoughts. This is where we share our final thoughts, rankings, Pennywise Clown Nose rankings. Got to make that clear. And our MVP for the episode. Dan, why don't you kick us off? Sure. I, oh, man, I almost feel like I should give this episode a little bit lower because I feel like I was almost more overly critical of this one compared to the last episode I was on, which I think I gave three Pennywise Clown Noses. But I, this was at least a little bit more enjoyable for me because I knew what Vegas was going to be going into it, you know, like, I mean, yeah, I was really disappointed that Vegas was like it was, but I was at least able to meet it on its own terms a little bit more in this episode and, and enjoy the things that were directly from the book. I, I, I will never like the hand of God, but I liked how they did it here. Lloyd had a really, really interesting arc for me that did bring some positivity to Vegas. And yeah, there's some individual scene work. So I will go ahead you know, I'm going to go ahead and give this uh, this episode three and a half bright red Pennywise clown noses for that reason. And I, and just because I'm not going to be in the episode, that's what I would give the overall series is, is three and a half, nice. three and a half out of five. I, I feel like I should go three, but I'm always I always over. I, I'm, a, I'm a generous uh, grader. <laughs> a generous and, grader. And like I said, not all of it worked for me, but I, I really did admire what they were doing here i liked the scope of it i liked that they they really did go all out and went all in with it given i think some probably time circumstances and a weird release schedule and everything else that was working against them this year yeah i'm, I'm with mike i still think everyone with all you guys I, I still think it the stand is perfect you know home as with the dark tower as with probably a lot of really epic Stephen King properties would be a place like HBO where they have complete artistic freedom. They can really stretch these things out um, where they don't feel hampered by, um, even though CBS All Access does let them swear and show sex and be violent, I do think there, it feels to me like there are still certain network parameters that they have to follow a little bit, you know? Um, so I, I still would like to see a stand that can be completely unhinged. But overall, I'd, I still enjoyed this. I, I ended, no matter how much I didn't like the episode, I always it always ended with me being like, man, I really want that next one. And I think there's something to be yeah. said for that. So, yeah. Yeah, so I I'm feel gonna, similarly. I'm going to say three and a half. Bright Red Pennywise Clown is for the episode and for, for me for the series overall. And your MVP? Oh, for this episode, uh, Lloyd. Yeah, it's got to be Nat, Nat, nice. Nat Wolf. And MVP overall. Um, I mean, hey, you, Mike and Randall met him. You can, you can refer to him by his first name. But I just get to call him Mr. Teague. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking Louis Teague, who I also like, but Owen, Owen Teague overall is my MVP. Uh, uh, Cujo. 
Yeah. <laughs> Jen, you're. <laughs> is that your impression of him? Yeah. What's well, Louis uh, Is that how he talks? <laughs> I, I directed, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he just called uh, in. Jen, what is your um, uh, Pennywise clown nose ranking and MVP for this episode? Um, I think I have been. I probably have been pretty harsh on this episode, but I got to give it a little bit of grace because this scene in the book is pretty bonkers too. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. And I do agree. I appreciate that they went all in. When I think about this episode, like the little details, like Julie just chucking somebody out of the way, and like Lloyd's entire arc, and I feel like the courtroom scene that I first, like my first note for that was what the fuck, and then it really <laughs> grew on me. You know, there's there's a lot that works here. I think it's just the oh overall vision just doesn't hang together. I don't think it's necessarily this episode's fault, though. I, I think I'm going to give it three nice. bright red Pennywise clown noses because there is, I mean, it's it's bonkers, you know, and it's kind of fun. When I'm not annoyed and bored, I'm really into it, <laughs> you know. So, uh, and um, your MVP. Okay, well, technically, Owen Teague is in the previous lease on this episode, so I was really <laughs> tempted because I just love him so much. But I got to give it to Nat Wolf because he just he won my heart in this episode. And, the man yeah. himself. It's those little moments, you know, man, I really yeah. your music, you know. Um, Mike, your Pennywise clown nose ranking and your MVP. Uh, I mean, this is my least favorite section of the book. I, I've just yeah. always been, it's just so maudlin and, um, it gets so saccharine at parts and I, I just, just at that, at this point, I'm so much more invested in what's going on with like Stu and so much, it, it just felt very like, you know, where that, oh, this is going to end. Um, especially when you start putting the things together and this felt, just felt very similar vein to me. I, it was more, more of like, it felt like a waiting room for the coda that I know is coming up. Um, so for me, I was just kind of like, all right, I want to get going, get going, and let's get going. Um, so when I saw Trash uh, driving into Vegas, I was like, oh, let's just get, the, come on, let go, 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 explode this. Uh, having said that. Excuse me. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Um, I'm telling you, me. everyone watch Transformers, the movie where the Dinobots <laughs> save um, Cup and Hot Rod from the Quintessons and look at Slag's line. To, well, I'll find a YouTube clip. I need to be on. If Discord. you can find a YouTube clip, what? please. I need to be send on Discord it. more anyway. I've been bad about popping in, so I, I will pop in and and share that with everyone. Caffrey, what was the line that that literally had me almost pee my pants during The Shining, when <laughs> when, was, when you're like, "Hey, it watch when it." We were or talking like... about we were talking about Jack having to trim the hedges yeah. of the lion, and that like, it would clip his nail, and he goes, "Watch it." And, and watch he goes, it. <laughs> Oh, please, if you are a that. patron, if you are a patron, uh, one of our patrons, please go listen to our shining commentary where you get this bit and more. Yeah, yeah. Um, lots of good stuff. Wait, was that the wait, oh wait the no no the, this is the book, the book episode, episode from like twenty seventeen. Oh, I, think I thought it, this was in our commentary. Like we almost no, had to think... pause the episode or something like that just because uh, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, okay, go back to. Sorry, you don't I interrupted you with my you stupid Transformers trivia shit. Sorry, sorry. Well, either way, for me. You know, this is always just going to be kind of a, a soggy chapter. But like Jen said, I mean, there 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 are a lot of fireworks and there are a lot of things to keep this going. I, I enjoyed. Uh, I actually kind of liked where Lloyd's Ark went, just because it was different. You know, mm-hmm. I think that was something that we really wanted with this was just something to kind of skew a little more to zag instead of you know when we when we least expected it. Uh, so in that, I respected that, but I wanted more of that. And, um, you know, there are a lot of glimpses here and a lot of glimmers as there are in this in this miniseries um, of just greatness and just but not enough altogether. So uh, for me, I'm going to go two and a half. Um, I thought that it it just needed a little bit more. Um, yeah. So and my and MVP, MVP is 
Lloyd Henry. Love love Nat Wolf in this. Um, I wanted to go with my boy Greg Kinnear. He brings a lot of heart. He's good. To yeah. his last scene. Uh, yeah, great exit. Yeah. I did oh, you know. one thing I did realize too, I which I did like about how they shot um Greg Kinnear on the floor after he gets actually shot. It reminded me of when he's smoking the joint when we first meet him, mm. I, which I think was a callback to that, which I really appreciate. I, and I, I, Greg Kinnear through the whole series has actually been quite good. Yeah, he's been a highlight. Yeah. There's Absolutely. actually there's actually some like poetic symmetry there because he's at peace when he's on the floor he is, and yeah. he's smoking the piece, and he's at peace now because he gets to be with uh, Mother Abigail and <laughs> yeah. Mother A. Mo- Mother A always made me cringe. It I me hated too. that uh, so so much. Uh, the worst. Oh God, Just the worst. I, yeah. Um, <laughs> this episode, you, I have a good, I have good news. I'm no longer the Joker. Oh, uh, all, we, we brought I'm, you back to the, I'm wiping the makeup off my face in the mirror and I'm, I'm learning how to smile on my own again. And, uh, uh, yeah. So I would say that I actually softened on some aspects of this episode that I was struggling with, um, based on some of your comments. So I'm going to give this two and a half bright red Pennywise clown noses. Um, I actually do love this section of the book and I think the, the drama of it of for me will always elevate it a little bit. And I still felt that here, even the hand of God stuff, like the drama is, is, is enticing. I didn't love the execution so much. And I, I think the Nadine story for me really, really bogged it down because I think I went in with higher hopes than perhaps Mm -hmm. I should have. Um, and yeah, and I think I struggle overall with, like, I find myself thinking perhaps too hard about what Randall Flagg really was trying to accomplish here, um, and feeling like I'm just running into walls. But um, yeah, so two and a half for Pennywise Clown Noses, and I'm going to be a little bit of a bad boy here and say that my MVP is Trash Can Man for his delivery of, excuse me, <laughs> well played, which is now well my, I think one of my favorite parts of the whole series um i'm just kidding he's not really he's lloyd obviously but i'm gonna still say I, I trash for he, the excuse me i think trashy no, does say excuse me on the first set I, th- I think maybe on the first episode too so maybe it's like a, a th- probably I, yeah. I still would love to have been a fly on the wall when you know watching them have to deal with ezra miller like i know like i know when, whenever directors are in are in awe of like unstable pro- problematic actors like i just picture them being like oh man he's just it's just crazy he's, he's, going just, there. he's just doing his thing yeah ezra came in just fully foreign it was just he was wild well that's what when i interviewed benjamin cavell really nice guy but yeah he was just like ezra went there you know oh yeah so, he, yeah he goes um, there in real life too benjamin no i mean, I mean that, <laughs> I respect Benjamin Cavell immensely. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, great guy. I'm genuinely serious. Yeah. Um. So this was fun. Good episode. Good. Uh. Good chat about this. We got one more episode left. The Coda, which was written by Stephen King, and um. Yeah. I'm, there's going to be a lot to discuss there as well, and we'll probably do some kind of uh. You know. Uh, spend a little time talking about the series as a whole Mm -hmm. as well. So look forward to that uh, next week. And um, I hope you're ready reading Desperation and Regulators. Those books are coming up soon. And yeah, lots of good content on the Patreon. We've got a great episode on Candyman. Maybe you've heard of it. And also we're going to be doing a commentary track for the Dead Zone. That's for our patrons. So hit us up there at patreon.com slash the Barons. Follow us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And um. Join us on our Discord if you are a patron, if you are not on there yet, because we spend many long days and, and pleasant, pleasant nights on there. Yes. So, <laughs> I put nice. it in the middle of the sentence that time. That okay, good. bye, everyone. Bye.
Consequence Podcast Network.